No pressure. No pressure, but it better work this time. If it doesn't work this it, time. It certainly looks like it's working this time. It better be working. Hey, it is working this time. We yeah. are informed. Well, that's good. Yay. That's good. That's good. It's been a stressful couple of days around What in here. the world is going on? been a stressful <laughs> couple of days. How that setting right. got changed, uh, there ended up being no audio is beyond me. Uh, that it, makes it's, it's, no sense. We'll deal with that another time. The point is, we're live. That's the point. That's what matters now. We're good? Everything's good? Ah, we're going to go get a new computer. That's oh, that might help. <laughs> so, uh, nobody heard, but... <laughs> We were, tr- we were trying to tell everybody that we we're having some technology issues around these parts. and so just, just a few. Part of it is that we're getting a new computer, which is good. That's a good thing. But that doesn't solve all of our problems. Unfortunately, we have other problems that still need to be solved. Hi, it's Glenn Clark Radio. Audio-only version today. Audio-only version today. Um, that's okay. We'll hope to have the video back uh, tomorrow, uh, the latest Saturday. Like that's the We're working on it. I promise you, we wanted to do a show because the Orioles are in first place. So why wouldn't we want to be here to talk about it? Glenn Clark, Zach Goodman in with me once again from the bat around. Uh, great to have you with us. We got a great show in front of us. In fact, speaking of the first place Baltimore Orioles, one of the first place Baltimore Orioles is scheduled to join us in just a couple of minutes. Pitcher Cole Irvin, who was very good, obviously, in his first uh, long relief appearance. We'll talk about that. Also, he's doing some really great things in the community that I want to discuss with him, including something that's near and dear to my heart. He's gotten involved with Barks. You guys know how much uh, that matters to me. I'm very involved with Show Your Soft Side. I love that. So we'll talk about what Cole Irvin's doing in the community. From what I've seen, he seems like a quality human being, and like a I, quality guy. And again, uh, hopefully, he settles into this role and says, "Look, man, you know, some everybody's different, right? Some people would say this is a demotion and not handle it well. First time out, he handled it quite well, right? Like he came in, he pitched very well in relief, um, first time out. So we'll talk to him about all that. Also on the da- uh, the docket today." Caroline Means, yes, she is the wife of Orioles pitcher John Means, but she's also a former professional soccer goalie, played in the NWSL, and we're going to preview with her the Women's World Cup, which technically got underway overnight, uh, but gets underway for the U.S. tomorrow night when they take on Vietnam. We'll talk to her about the World Cup, and later on in the program we'll make a trip to Bowie, chat with a member of the Bay Sox. This time it'll be pitcher Connor Gillespie. So all of that on the docket for today. As long as everything goes right. <laughs> that would be and ideal. And we're 0 for 1 so far today. Yeah. So let's hope for the best. Fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything we can. Um, you know, I, it's about the most fulfilling lost series that I can remember in some time. The Orioles lose 2 out of 3 to the Dodgers, and yet they move into first place. Yeah. Which is weird and obviously a statement about how much of a struggle it's been of late for the Tampa Bay Rays. Who are be? It's beyond scuffling at this point. I don't know what phrase you use to describe what's going on with the Rays of late. But also thanks to a very, very scary Texas Rangers team. Like yeah, the, oh, the, this the, team yes, is legitimate. The Rangers are extraordinary legitimate. We talked yes. about that with Drew yesterday. Like how many teams do we know definitively right now are better than the Orioles? And I said, well, we know definitively the Braves and Rangers are at the moment yeah. better than the Orioles. And I, I would agree. By the way, to me, that's the entire list, which is still saying something, right? Like it's saying something. That there's only two teams in baseball that I think at the moment are definitively better than the Orioles. Um, we can debate the Dodgers, and somebody would say, hey, you know, they did just lose two out of three to the Dodgers. And I, my argument would probably be that on paper, I do think the Dodgers are a better team. I think you saw the difficulty of facing that lineup 
it is overwhelming. Oh yeah, it's it's they just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming with probably thirty percent less stars than they had in the previous sure. years. I sure. mean, this is 100%. a far more homegrown right. Dodgers team than we've seen probably in the past fifteen years of Dodgers. Yeah, baseball. no Turner, no Bellinger, no. Right. You I mean, know. this is this is a prospect-driven team. It's largely. still so weird every time I look at Mookie Betts playing second base. That is the weirdest, yeah. dude. It is just unnatural. It's like what? That's not supposed to be a thing. We've got Cole Irvin connecting, by the way. Oh, so wonderful! Hopefully, well, I look we, forward we, to chatting with Cole have, Irvin. That's wonderful. It looks like Cole Irvin's in here, but he hasn't unmuted yet. That's now, okay. Now he has. That's so let's okay. see if we can uh, patch him in. Joining us this morning here on GCR, pitcher for your Baltimore Orioles. It's a pleasure for us to welcome Cole Irvin into the program. Cole, it's Glenn. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's so great to chat with you, dude. I I, I love everything that you're getting involved with. Um, before we get into baseball, I want to know about like your your top golf skills because you're going out to do this event with Kyle Gibson. Uh, it, your average drive at this point, are we talking like 200, 205? What's it look for you? Well, I mean, if we're talking top golf, I don't think I ever, I don't think I'm allowed to bring my driver. Top yeah, golf. right. You're not going to be pumping. I get that, right? <laughs> um, I mean, if you really want me to, if you really want me to hit the back of the net, I could probably do it with the, probably an eight the clubs they have there. I mean, how is? Do you have a guess for like how long is the furthest you've ever driven a ball in your life? Uh, so I had a drive probably about a month and a half ago. Uh, uh, carry on. I don't know what to carry on it, but final number was like. 373 damn damn so yeah yeah i I like to play i like to play a little bit apparently cole dechambeau irvin (laughs) right that is unreal okay what i'm not i'm not even the best golfer in the clubhouse so that's that's uh, that's the truth is that hicks at this point like i've talked to some other guys about it oh hearn was like we know the family connection with him and tiger like is is has hicks taken over the role as the best uh, golfer in the clubhouse I think I think Hicks is arguably the best golfer in the clubhouse. Um, I would like to hope that I'm a close because um, we we played the other day. We were in different groups. He shot a he shot a sixty sixty eight or sixty nine, and then I shot a I shot a seventy five. Okay, that's dude, so, that's really good. It's very like, good. Very I think good. we would dream of being able to shoot a number like that. That's absurd. Yeah, yeah, that's the closest I've been to par in in probably a. A little over a year now, so um, I feel like I'm. That part of my game has gotten a little bit better, but um, I prefer the the game on the field first. I get it. I understand. That's a far more important thing for you to be worrying <laughs> about. I completely understand that. So coming up on August sixth, uh, Kyle Gibson has organized this event yep. at uh, a Top Golf, and it benefits Big League Impact, which is something that he's been involved with for a long time, and. Um, you hear Kyle talk about what they're doing and the importance of it. It'll really overwhelm you. Yeah. Um, but Cole, you got involved. I, I, it's really cool to me because I know you've been getting involved with some other local charities. It's your first year in Baltimore. I know there was even a little bit of an up and down thing there for a second. But what? Why was it so important for you to entrench yourself to make sure you were doing things like this after you arrived here? Uh, I think personally. Um it's 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 just part of who I am. Um, I've been doing community service work uh, since I was in uh, uh, I was in middle school. Um, 
you know, I was, I was doing things, um, for, you know, the local community and stuff, uh, trying to earn community service hours to get into the high school I was going to. Um, and then on top of that, had to do community service hours in, in high school, um, uh, because it was a Catholic high school. So it was, um, about, um, tithing and, and those types of okay. things. So faith, faith has a lot of, uh, driving factor behind, why I like to give back, why I like to support different, different groups. Um, I think, I think a lot of people that follow me on my social media see that I'm helping a lot in the animal welfare space, yep. but, um, I'm excited to help Kyle and, and, uh, all the, all the proceeds, um, are going to the city of refuge, um, which is a faith-based organization. And, um, but it helps, you know, individuals and families transition, um, out of out of their situations out of crisis and so um i'm excited to just raise money and and be a part of people that uh want to help um their local local community as well so it's, it's just a, it's just fun um being able to you know help guys where they um where they need you you know and um kyle certainly helped me this year uh he stepped up i was in triple a um i was giving out bikes to a local school um uh, for one of the parties that I like to work with all kids like, and, uh, Kyle stepped up big for me and filled in and just knocked it out of the park. Um, and so, uh, I'm going to do everything I can for him to, to knock it out of the park for his event, but obviously he'll be there. So, um, just doing what I can and, and trying to help and just being a good teammate. It's such a cool idea, such a cool concept. And it's Cole, Kyle Gibson, Austin Hayes, Tyler Wells, Cedric Mullins, um, others to be determined that all will be at Top Golf on August 6th. And if you go over to Kyle's, you know, Twitter account right now, you can get all the details there at KGib44 um, about this wonderful event at Top Golf, benefiting as Cole mentioned, City of Refuge, Baltimore. Really encourage you guys. Plus, how many opportunities are you going to get to do something like this? How many chances do you get to go play at Top Golf with you know a first place baseball team? I don't think that happens every day. So it's a wonderful thing to do. <laughs> Uh, Cole, with that in mind, when I say those words, how does that feel to you when I say first place Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, I mean, I guess by the winning percentage, we're in first place, but in our heads, uh, we want to take that outright, you know? Um, uh, we want to take that outright where there's no, you know, dash marks across both of our uh, team <laughs> names, you know, um, in the standings. So uh, we got a big series this week, so I'm excited about it. Um, I, know, I know the team is certainly um, – ready for it um you know we had a good homestand um we had a happy flight yesterday so i imagine yeah, we're, yeah we had a real happy flight uh yesterday so um just you know we're just focusing on what we do is and playing good baseball and um you know we understand we had a little blip in the first few games against the dodgers so it's uh that's that's part of the game that's why we play so many games uh there's just going to be ebbs and flows to the season so now uh now our job is just to get the job done and uh, take as many games as we can here in Tampa and then go to Philly. Cole, I wonder for you, I feel like it's been talked about with some of the position players this season where, like, you know, guys guys will live with their roles changing because being a part of something this special, you know, you'll do anything you can in order to help the team. And I'm wondering if that was something that you felt this week, and we heard you talking about it the other day, that you, tell me whatever you want me to do. You want me to pitch in the ninth inning? I'll pitch in the ninth. Tell me whatever it is that you want, because there's just something about being a part of a team that's this special that you're willing to do anything at all in order to be part of it. 
Yeah, uh, it's it has a lot to do um, with understanding that over the course of a season, um, and I'm so thankful that we've had guys that have stayed healthy on the pitching staff, um, especially the starting rotation. Um, the guys have been so good, um, and anytime I've rejoined the rotation, I've done my best to to live up to the standard that they're setting, um, which is which is fantastic. Um, the rotation's pushing each other pretty hard um, and expects a lot out of each other. And uh, but what's cool is you know I've I've really enjoyed being in the bullpen as well um, with those guys down there. Um, the camaraderie they have is is definitely unique. Um, it's definitely different from any other bullpen situation I've been in. And at the end of the day, uh, when you reach the postseason, at least from a from from myself that you know when I'm watching the postseason you see so many guys in different roles that they weren't in the regular season. Um, so any prep that I can, I can take <laughs> and try to apply it mm-hmm. uh, for when we get to the postseason, And if that's going to be my role there, I want to be ready for it. Um, and so over the break, uh, you know, I was res- wrestling a little bit, you know, being honest, being very candid, like wrestling a little bit with, you know, dang, I want to still be a starter. Yep. But uh, when that breaks over, um, I was I was like, all right, if this is what I'm going to be in the postseason, all right, let's get used to it. Let's let's try to let's try to do this uh, the right way and and just get the job done. And so, um, if this is my role moving forward, so be it. Um, I'm ready for it. Um, came out the other day and yeah, uh, look pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> tried to do my best to pick up uh, Wellesley. You know, um, I told him after the start, you know, his start. I said, dude, all I was trying to do is pick you up. Uh, I wasn't trying to, you know overshadow you or anything i was just trying to pick you up i know you had an off day it was just an off day and that's that's what you know 162 games does is you you got to find moments um to just remind your teammates that like hey i got your back and i'm gonna pick you up where i can um and so that's that's been fun about being in the bullpen is you know picking up your teammates and and being a part of doing that it's a very hard job to do bullpen is not an easy job but uh, at the end of the day um it's very it's it's a very fun role as well because you get to impact potentially impact a lot more games than you do as a starter. It's interesting. It was we're chatting with Cole Irvin here on GCR. I think so many people talk about like starting pitchers almost as like racehorses, right? Like you have the same ramp up, the same process that you go through, and then when you're coming out of the bullpen, you just you don't know, right? Like obviously on Tuesday night, you had no idea what was going to happen in that game and when you're going to be needed. How do you replicate it? Like how do you create? that headspace for you to be coming in in a situation like that where, you know, not just Tyler, but your team needs you to give them itself, give them a chance to get back into the game. How do you replicate that sort of ramp up process in this role? Uh, I think you just, I think you said it, you just got to be ready and ready can be a, a multitude of things. Like I threw, uh, I threw a little bullpen, a light bullpen before the game on Tuesday um, to stay ready. And then I had, I'd thrown one about two days before that. So it's just making sure you're getting your reps in, uh, make sure you're still on a, you know, good lifting schedule. Um, but, you know, being a long man out of the bullpen is uh, arguably, um, if you talk to other pitchers and stuff, probably one of the toughest things to do in, in, uh, in, in major league baseball, especially. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is our job. This is what we, you know, <laughs> this is what we know how to do. And if you just focus on getting the outs rather than the result of the out or trying to get a strikeout, 
Um, you know, you need strikeouts in certain situations, but at the end of the day, it's all about just getting the outs and getting that team back in the dugout to hit. And we have a, we have a pretty good offense. If, uh, I don't say so myself. Yeah, it's, they're um, okay. I've heard, I've, <laughs> I've been reading about that in the papers. They're decent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They know how to put up some, they know how to put up some runs. Um, so it's, you know, that's, that's our job is just to try to get back to the dugout. If we're behind, uh, getting that offense, uh, you know, in that dugout and let them do their thing and just try to keep that game close. Can you, you know, from the outside, right, as somebody who wasn't here last year to see what started to change, can you put your finger on, obviously winning is always going to breed an excitement, a special feeling, a vibe, but it so feels like there's something beyond that here. Like when we see guys doing purple nurples in the dugout, right, and we... (laughs) You know, we, we, we've had seen the homer hose all season. Can you, from the outside, like, put your finger on what has made this culture here so special and so different? Yeah, I, I think there's there's two things that kind of go into a culture of a team. And, you know, talking with guys when I was over in Oakland about kind of some of the, you know, they had some a couple down years before they got really, really good with, with Chapman and Olsen. Mm-hmm. Semien and all those guys but you know when you lose together you create camaraderie and then you guys just finally just say all right enough of this <laughs> um and you guys just start winning because you know when you guys played together in the minor leagues uh you guys figured out how to do it together and and as a group and i think the core here uh finally just had enough and i and i saw it in september i saw the team i think it was uh i forget when when they were in Oakland in, in 22, but um, it was a completely different mindset. It was a completely different team. Um, and I, I really think that just when you're, when you're losing together and you, and you know how to get each other going and you start building a winning culture um, from within the clubhouse. And I think that's where it started on these guys. And uh, when I got over, it was like they hadn't had a losing season. Um it was, hey, we know who we are. Let's yeah. go do it, yeah. and let's go show people what we're capable of. And that's, and that's also a credit to the to the you know scouting departments and the and uh, Elias and um, just how how they managed to find also really really good people. Um, I don't know if there's a guy in this clubhouse that isn't a, an amazing dude off the field. Um, and in the clubhouse and uh, just true professionals all the way around. And it's kind of, and that's the second part was like uh, Elias knows, knows who, who and the type of player that's going to fit this clubhouse. And um, it's been, it's been really enjoyable just, you know, growing, growing this culture with these guys. Uh, I've had a lot of fun and I think that just has a lot to do with it is, um, they just know what makes each other tick and yeah, uh, the purple nurples, I'm not so sure about, but, <laughs> you don't think you guys uh, are going to start replicating that in the bullpen. You don't think that's going to be I'll, a, yeah, you know, that's I'll let Kowser keep, keep doing that one. <laughs> uh, that's not, that's not on my radar. Cole, what specific differences have you seen, uh, pitching in the AL West for as long as you did versus what you've seen in the AL East? Obviously there's. I would argue a, a better level of competition. You're yeah, it might be the best division in the history yeah, yeah, of baseball. You're, you're right? facing teams that, frankly, win all the time. The Yankees have been a dynasty for God knows how long. What differences specifically have you found? 
Well, I mean, I think this year, especially, we're looking at a, a almost a historic year in, no in the division. Um, just with how many teams are still playing above 500 baseball. Um, so, so that's definitely you know an, a, a note. But I, I will say that you know facing um, you know I definitely didn't have success against the Mariners, and that's uh, partly my own fault. But uh, I didn't have success against them, so uh, so they always played me tough. Uh, but certainly going through Houston, um, the Anaheim, or I guess Los Angeles Angels. Um, I grew up in Anaheim, so they're still Anaheim to me. Yeah, you, I get um, it. They're going to be Anaheim to everybody, I think, for a long time. It'll take forever. <laughs> um, you know, those are pretty pretty darn good ball clubs. Um, and then you got the got the Rangers as well, who were getting better, um, especially last year. They they were they they could hit. Um, and so I think the division, you know, from the AL West to the AL East, honestly, like with how good Houston was, with how good the Mariners were last year um, and and always having to face <laughs> Rendon and Trout and uh, Otani. I mean, those aren't, you know, those aren't, uh, I mean, even Rangifo had a really good year last year. Um, you know, they got a really good division over in the AOS. And I think because they play on West coast times, I think that the, that division is, is slept on a little bit more and maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a West coast boy, but I will say the AL East is, you know, there's an expectation to win. Um, they don't call it the AL beast for, for a reason. Um, other than there's a lot of good clubs here. Um, and so the fact that, you know, we're at the top of top of one of the best divisions of baseball, um, arguably the best division of baseball. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's extremely rewarding, but at the same time, you know, we're not, the job's not done. We still have a long way to go. Um, still got two, two plus months left. Yep. And, um, and I say that two plus because, you know, we're two and a half months from the end of the season and, you know, hopefully another month and a half from, uh, yeah. where, where we actually want to be, you know, we, so we, that's, we like the sounds of that, by the way. We like we like you talking yeah. like that. That sounds good to yeah. us. Cool. I want to well, make sure. I mean, the, 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 why do we play the game? We play the game to to win a World Series, and that's and that's definitely my objective. And I want to do it with this group. So, like I said, anything that this team needs is I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing everything I can to to help it. Uh, Cole, I want to make sure I'm being respectful of your time. Uh, do you have five more minutes so we could go with you? Is that is that okay or is yeah, that too? Okay, absolutely. I really appreciate it, man. Cole Irvin's with us. Right. Here. I, I haven't I haven't ate breakfast or anything, so you're just holding me from that. Well, so, I don't want to do that to you either. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. We're good. All right, all right, Cole. Um, I I wonder what you you know going through. Obviously, you came here, expectations, right? The Orioles sought you out. They traded for you. You've been having success. And it didn't get off to the start that I have no doubt that you wanted, right? What did you learn yeah. about yourself facing the adversity that you faced so publicly in a new city, in a place with expectations? What did maybe already, you know, well into your career, what did that teach you about yourself to have to face that adversity and get through that? And, wa- you know, everybody's watching you as you're going through something like that. Yeah, I, I think, um, good question. Um, I think this is kind of, you know, personally, like I, I was kind of going through a little bit mentally uh, to start the year because I wanted to start off the year hot. But um, I'll say this: my first two seasons in Oakland, um, 
did not didn't get off to the greatest starts, okay. but I finished the year um, pretty well. I mean, I started. I had to start the first my first year in Oakland back to back with Houston, um, <laughs> and not, so nice and easy. I, yeah, yeah, and I think I had something like an eight or a ten ERA in two starts, maybe even three, and I started the same, you know. Um, and so, but when you're expected to win, um, I think a lot has to do with you know, when you're expected to win and you're not doing your job, sometimes you have to wake yourself up and, and say, okay, what can I do? What are, what's in my, what's in my plan now uh, that I haven't, or what's, what's been in my routines that I haven't been doing. So you kind of dig into those. And um, I will say this, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that I was kind of dealing with in the beginning of the year has been just not trusting who I was as a pitcher. Um, You guys have seen it a lot more lately. Um, but even more so, uh, it, it has a lot to do with my faith, uh, uh, of all things. Um, because going through that struggle, I actually got closer and to, to reading into my Bible and, um, created, you know, got closer in my relationship, uh, with God. And I started to wake up and started to see some things personally. Um, and my faith has been a lot of the driving factor of, of why my mentality is still, um, as strong it is as it is. Um, but I have, I, I honestly like was, I believe it in my heart that I was, I was actually just like wakened up, um, uh, by God to, to start focusing and to actually like trust that my paths will be made straight. Um, and, and that's honestly, that's to, to a man, like that's honestly how I felt about this beginning of this year. Um, I know, I know the, the the faith narrative isn't always a popular one, but uh, that for me is is actually the driving factor um, is my faith this year, and um, and that's that's why I'm able to stay happy all the time. Um, <laughs> so I, I really I really just think that it had a lot to do with the the mentality and and trusting that um, things were going to change as long as I stayed the path and as long as I just focused on my work and and trusted the Lord to just bring me back when he thought thought it was going to be time to bring me back. And I just, I just didn't, I didn't force anything. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with it. I, I appreciate I, your honesty. I appreciate you, you sharing that with us, Cole. Um, I, I am, I really have wanted to talk about what you do and what you just did for Barks. I am involved with a group called show your soft side that partners with Barks all the time. We do animal um, um, runway shows where we try to get animals adopted by bringing them out and parading them around with football players and baseball players. And boy, we'd love to have you do one of those in the future. We had a great, we had Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens out for the last one, but um, I, I think it's awesome. Where did that love come from? Where did that passion come from? Why is it something you care about so much? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, my, my beautiful wife. Um, she, she is the animal lover. I I had two. I had dogs growing up. I had hunting dogs, but I had never, you know, never really rescued. I'd, I'd help out of shelters every once in a while, walk dogs, do what I could. Uh, but um, until I met my wife, Kristen, um, <laughs> animals. Uh, I wasn't expecting to have. Well, right now we have five Yorkies in our house. Shoo! Um, Man. And we have a and we have a horse uh, named Hope, but every single one of these uh, dogs um, we've adopted um, in awesome. some capacity. Um, 
And so the more I've been around adopted animals, the more I've, uh, you know, during the all-star break, we saved four dogs, um, and found three foster homes. One of the foster, uh, the reason I say three is because one foster home is my mother-in-law's, uh, but the dog is just, um, staying with us for now. So there's not four rehomings. It's just three. Um, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been great, but yeah, I, 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 I wanted to just give some food, um, shelters. The biggest thing for me is like when I'm talking about, uh, animal shelters and I was doing this in Oakland as well, like all these shelters since COVID have been overrun. Um, and people move from homes and, um, a lot of animal shelters need, need products and, and don't get me wrong, like the blankets are great, but sometimes like if you go onto their website and you find out what they need, like Kong toys or uh, a specific type of, you know, diet food, um, which is what one of our dogs is on because um, it's just got a sensitive stomach um, and that's, it, it came from the shelter. So that's that, you know, focusing on types of things that, that shelters need um, when they're overpopulated and, and they're understaffed trying to handle all these animals, um, it can be very difficult. So whatever you can do to help and whatever I can do to help, I try to do it. And so I went to uh, spend a good penny on some food at Petco, uh, but went to uh, Barks and MDSPCA and um got to got to meet some meet some dogs at the spca i think uh saturday during the homestand against new york i'm gonna be back over at barks uh gonna be walking some dogs and and doing some things i'm gonna be able to meet some animals over there uh, which is what i didn't get to do uh when i dropped off some food but um i'm certainly excited about it uh i'm all about animal well-being um and and whatever we can do to find good homes for not just dogs, but cats. And, um, you know, saved, I saved a cat at a random gas station in North Carolina this year. Um, yeah. So like, I definitely, I think my wife just gave me the awareness and I think that she has a lot to do with it. So good on you. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. I'm already thinking up an idea of like a curveballs and cuddles event or something like that, that, uh, we could put (laughs) together in the future. I, I'm, I'm, my wheels are spinning on that. Uh, Cole Irvin, man, this has been this has been wonderful. Again, please get out and support um, what Cole and Austin and Cedric and Tyler are doing with Kyle Gibson on August sixth at Top Golf. Um, it's going to be a great event. Of course, you can follow Cole Twitter and Instagram at Swervin underscore Irvin nineteen. Cole, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes. A couple, you took a ton of minutes for us this morning. Thanks so much for doing it. Go get some breakfast and let's go kick some ass in uh, St. Petersburg this weekend. All Sounds right. good. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Cole. Cole Irvin, uh, with us here on GCR. As uh, boy, that was great. That was uh, a lot of fun. Really appreciate him taking the time. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So are we good to go right from one to the other? Is I that, believe so. Look uh, at how this is. So those of you that are, are, aren't, weren't with us at the top, we are having some phone issues in the building today. And we apologize for that, but our guests have been very kind to um, do other ways of jumping on with us, hopping on via Zoom. 
And so, of course, we go from Cole Irvin, Orioles pitcher, to the wife of an Orioles pitcher that we've got other things that we want to talk about with her because the World Cup is underway. And, of course, she is a high-level soccer player, played in the NWSL. It's a pleasure for us to welcome back to the program Caroline Means, who is with us now here on GCR. Caroline, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited. It's been a while. It has been a while. Um, we'll we'll get to. Um, are, are you sick of having at this point? Are you sick of having John around? Are you just like, dude, you got to go back to work? Like, get, what are we doing here? Have you reached the breaking Honestly, point? Honestly, very close. I would say. I think I'm, I've gotten close to the breaking point. However, there are certain things that are extremely nice to have him around for. Um, namely those dirty diapers yeah. from our little yeah. toddler. You know, oh, babe, you got this one. I'm go- I was just heading upstairs. So um, <laughs> we're, we're not super sick of them yet. I know McCoy's having a blast. Um, That's awesome. We're actually, we're home in Texas right now, and McCoy woke up and said, where's daddy? And I said, he's at the baseball field. And he said, oh, come on. <laughs> um, so he, he doesn't like missing out on baseball either. So we're doing pretty good. Oh, that is great. Um, Caroline, I, I don't know what your hours are going to be like. Are you the type of, I, where are you with your soccer fandom? Like we know what you were as a player. We know how much the sport means to you, but is the fandom to the point where like at 3am you're going to try to figure out a way to be watching soccer over the course of the next couple of weeks? For our U S women. Yes. Okay. But for other countries, unfortunately, unless it's going to be a semifinal final game, yeah. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night now, uh, doing toddler duty like i watched the uh the new zealand game earlier this morning but yeah i'm not waking up at crazy hours these days um back in the 2015 world cup i definitely was um luckily most of them were pretty uh yeah normal attainable hours being in vancouver but yeah probably not going to be up in the middle of the night this year yeah i don't blame you for that i completely understand i'm feeling some of the same things we're like you know i think the third u.s match is a 3 a.m match and i'm going to do everything in my power to figure out a way to watch it but i'm also and i've got uh, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old so i'm also going to be willing to say if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen that's just the way it's Mm -hmm. gonna have to go um what is it you know that you are most excited about uniquely with this team this time around like we all know every time they play they're going to be the favorites we also know that like hey it didn't work out the in the olympics the last time right mm-hmm. like they they are not it's it's not a yeah foregone conclusion that they're going to win what excites you most about this team and this particular path to a world cup title I think one of the things that I'm most excited for is some of the really young talent that we have that haven't been to a major tournament yet. I think that there's 13 players on this roster who haven't been to a World Cup or an Olympics. And so that's going to be extremely interesting to see how they adapt to just the emotional toll that the month puts on you. Um, That's one thing. I'm really excited to see Alyssa Thompson and Sophia Smith, all of these young girls, these big names that you're hearing. Um, and then I'm also on the flip side. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how our veterans do. There's just some emotions with Megan, you know, Rapino announcing this is yep. going to be her last year. And Alex obviously is missing a lot of her older veteran teammates that she's been through all of these tournaments with. And now she's kind of being put on the platform as the veteran. And so I'm interested to see how they handle that pressure. I really don't think that. Pino and Morgan are going to be shaken up by any of that. They've done this. They they're such pros, but 
having that a little bit extra of needing to round out the team because you're missing some key players is what I'm really interested to see how they adapt. So one of the players, you mentioned some of the new players, one of the players who's getting a lot of attention, and part of it is because she's electric, and of course the other part of it is because of who her name is and who her father is, mm-hmm. is Trinity Rodman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where is the line be- between like how much attention she's got and how special she's truly capable of being? Like We saw that goal in the send-off match was utterly absurd, right? Like, that mm-hmm. was ridiculous. How truly special is Trinity capable of being? Honestly, I think the sky is the limit for her. It's it's not been dramatized. I saw her play, I think the first time I really honed in to watch her play was a year or two ago, two years ago. And I couldn't believe the way that she can move on and off the ball. A lot of times you see an athletic forward come in and they're kind of labeled that athletic, which can take away from their skill set, but she has such a refined skill set. Her vision off the ball is incredible. And so I, I, she is the real deal. And I know she did a wonderful interview where she did talk about kind of the hardships of having that Rodman last name Mm -hmm. last year. And I feel like that actually put her even more on the map um, talking about it, but she really owned her story off the field. And I think that gives her the confidence and assurance to know that she can go out there and she has what it takes. And I can't, wait to watch her i mean she is she's deadly up front for sure caroline means is with us here on glenn clark radio as the way you describe it it's there none of this is is too much hype or it's it's all warranted like every ounce of the attention she's got is warranted based on the skill that she possesses mm-hmm. that's awesome. absolutely that makes uh, that makes us all the more exciting because gosh the things that you see her do it, it, she is very very special um, question marks, right? Like if, if you right now were analyzing this team and you said, boy, if there's one thing that does concern me from a soccer standpoint, what would it be? It's the defense for me with Becky Sauerbrunn being out of this World Cup with injury. She is really not only the anchor of the defense, but she's kind of that sound calming presence throughout the whole team. And there are other veterans who I know are capable of stepping up, but she not being there holding that back line down is the only question mark for me. And I know she and Alyssa Nair, our goalkeeper, work together tremendously. And so even on that other side of Alyssa not having Becky there to captain that back line, I'm interested to see how they'll adapt, if they'll change anything, or if someone slips in there and they're the hero of the tournament. So that's that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. How do you describe, you know, you, you of course, being a goalie, like how do you describe the importance of the fact that Alyssa was, was there, was the starter for the last World Cup, has been the leader in this program for some time? There were so many questions mm-hmm. sort of following. You know, there's almost a parallel, right, with the, with the men's team and, like, who's going to follow Tim Howard? Well, this was, you know, mm-hmm. like a Hope Solo that we were talking about, right? Like this was an iconic goalie that had to be replaced. How do you describe what it's meant that she entrenched herself, played so well the last time, and has been the leader, and how much of a calm does that give going into a World Cup? Absolutely gives a calm. I think one of the hardest things Alyssa had to overcome was similar to what you said, not trying to be the next Hope Solo, but trying to be the next goalkeeper that followed her and was themselves and I will be really honest, there's never going to be a goalkeeper like Hope Solo. Intimately training with her for the amount of time I did, I can confidently say 
she is top five, one of the greatest male or female athletes I've ever watched in my life. And so Alyssa having such big shoes to fill that last World Cup, I think it was a huge learning curve of how to handle the mental pressure that comes with that, feeling really confident in who she is as a player. I think it's easy to get really comfortable at your club team in the NWSL with being a leader. Mm -hmm. And then when you get thrown onto that world stage, really being able to curb the mental side of it. And she's done a great job. And I think that this World Cup, I'm expecting even even bigger things from her. She's going to eliminate those silly mental mistakes that she's kind of dealt with in the past. And she's got the build for it. She's got the skill set. And she definitely has the experience now to hold down that um, that goal for us. You know, the last time through at the World Cup, there was so much attention being paid to this team. And it was there was such a polarizing thing within our country. How much do you feel like that, Bennett? Like, you know, you know you're getting the best shot of everyone that you face, right? Like, you're the, mm. you are the you are the United States. Like, you are, you know, the, the queens of the soccer universe. And so every time you face anyone, they are loaded to bear to bring you down. How much do you think that, like, in a way, like, it, maybe it benefited this group of players to go through that, to be dealing with, you know, outside noise and to be able to block all that out to win a World Cup to say, look, if we can deal with that, there's – what is a soccer team going to bring against us, right? Like, we had half of the world against us, and yet we were still able to go through it. I think that it grew all of them emotionally and mentally. It, it, and it showed some of those young guys that it isn't just playing soccer. It's never just playing a sport because there is so many outside factors that you're dealing with, especially with this social media world we live in now. <laughs> so I think them going through that, is only going to make them more unshakable going into this World Cup. Um, a lot of that was probably shaking the inside of the team as well because you've got different personalities. You've sure, got sure. people who have grown up in different places, different mm -hmm. backgrounds, coming together to be on one team and represent our great country, which is so well known for also being a melting pot of people. Hold on, McCoy. He's really excited about the games. And so I think that's really important for um, everybody that they went through that ex exactly what you're saying. And I think that um, I've even read a lot of them, you know, they've deactivated social media. Wow. They are in a bubble right now. They are just hanging out with each other. You know, they've said their goodbyes to their families. Um, and so they're ready to go. And I think that that just mental tenacity is going to be even sharper, especially with black at the helm as coach he's really steady yeah unbelievably steady and and i think that he's perfect to coach this team in this world cup can we ask mccoy who's going to win the world cup is, is that is yeah that... he's he's all he's team usa he's got his gear i just actually bought us a couple t-shirts um i had to he really didn't want to take off his throw the heater t-shirt that he also just got <laughs> so um yeah we're creating a little sports maniac uh pretty easily not really even trying so he's excited he was watching the new zealand game with me that's awesome and he got to see the goal so that he's, is, uh, he's all in that is so cool that is so cool is there one country that concerns you the most is there one team that you say this is my biggest concern about the u.s's path to win the world cup off the top of my head and i actually thought about this it was going to be australia and then this morning i read that sam kerr their star forward mm -hmm. sustained a little calf injury. So I'm not sure how serious that is. But apparently Australia she's going to miss two. Th what they said is she's going to miss two games. So we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, if she's missing two, then 
that tells me it's serious, which is a little concerning. However, modern technology and sports, it's crazy what you can do in a week with an injury nowadays. But Australia, they're a young team, but they are strong. And most of those players are playing in the NWSL, so they're getting the best competition. Same with Brazil. They have marred up six World Cup. I mean, that's I don't you can't really put that into sports terms for anybody insane, who doesn't understand right? soccer, except that it just doesn't seem human or possible. But playing with her, I, I can tell you she doesn't act her age. Her body is youthful. She moves around like she's a sprightly 21-year-old. I can't even – I mean, the energy that comes out of Marta, she's constantly singing and dancing and just having the time of her life, really. So Brazil and Australia are going to be two very good teams this year. Boy, it's unbelievable to think, like, when you said six, that's just a, such a staggering number, right? Like, And she's still, yes. she's still only 37, right? Which is nuts. Right. Like I, I know. Oh, it is so bonkers. That is so bonkers. All right. Um. So, like, you know, I guess this is the million. You, you guys are gonna be back here for the World Series, right? Like, you know, we can count on that, can't we? Absolutely. If we, uh, if we're there in orange and black, then we're definitely gonna be there. I like that. I know that. Um, our guy's been working really hard to get back. Like you kind of mentioned earlier, he uh, lives, breeds, eats baseball. We will probably always be in baseball somehow because I can't see him ever letting it go. But, um, you know, to be really transparent, I think fans, you you get excited for the games and you come and watch. And sometimes it's easy to forget that these guys, they've got a lot of other things going on besides baseball, just like yeah. everybody else does outside yeah. of their jobs. So he's done quite literally everything he can to make sure he's in the best position to come back and really – uh, earn his way back onto this team and make an impact. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I don't think he has to do much earning. I think he's undone that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's taken care of. Uh, Caroline, please yeah. uh, please tell McCoy we said hello, all right? <laughs> um, and can we do this again maybe after we get through the group stage? Can we catch up again and talk about uh, the knockout rounds in the World Cup? I'm all in. I'm all in. I love Sounds that. great. Caroline, it's great to catch up with you. Thank you, as always, for doing this. We look forward to talking again here in a couple weeks, all right? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Caroline Means uh, with us here on GCR as, again, the first match for the U.S. in the World Cup is tomorrow night uh, against Vietnam. They do the first two. The good news is they're in um, prime time, like they're, they're times that we in the United States can watch. Uh, the third one that's going to be a little bit difficult, and then we'll have to find out during the knockout rounds time-wise uh, what that will all be about. So the good news, Zach, is that so far, well, we made it through two, right? And uh, like so far, no issues except for the you know first seven we minutes had a, of the we show. We had a little tricky start to the show. <laughs> we had, of course, no video, and I apologize for that. But we are doing everything in our power to still bring you as much of a quality show as we possibly can. By the way, Glenn, totally off topic. Yes, the Colts just released the greatest uniforms <sighs> maybe I've ever seen. I don't want to. I don't want to. It's gonna. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> I I um I can't I, talk about Colts uniforms. I get how you're I feeling about the Colts. I I'm just I can't uh, do it. My, 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 I'm probably rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. But look, yeah, you got you got to look. I at saw these them. Uniforms. I saw Adam Schefter tweeted about it. I oh saw it my. pop up. And God, they good. look they look sharp. But you know, they're thieves and they're scoundrels <laughs> and they're pieces of ass. And every time they wear that logo well, and every I'm time like, they wear uh, those colors. They can go f themselves. I'm not. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot in any way. And like we can laugh about it. It's like, unfortunately the people that are most bothered by it are reaching a point where I don't. I don't want to say this 
they're, they're starting to die off, right? That generation of fans that care about it the deepest. I sort of say these things on behalf of my father, right? Because personally, it clearly can't mean the same to me. Yeah, Although yeah. I do know that I sat, I, I stood, I've talked about it a lot. One of the few times I ever saw my father cry was because Lenny Moore walked up to him at his church and put his arm around him and asked him if he could pray with him. <laughs> wow. And I watched my father cry. That's awesome. So on his behalf, I'll just continue to be this guy until I die. And Fair it won't enough. mean, it won't mean anything to my kids. My kids will, like... At, do your kids it, even mean, know that the Colts were... It's, they do. Uh, okay, they like, do. They okay. do, but it's because, like, they've been baby... Like, my, my father's been over... Well, you're a sports guy, so I... I it, fit, it's yeah. part of that. But, yeah. like, they know it in this sort of, like, weird transactional way. Like, the Colts used to be Baltimore. Like, they don't yeah. have... It, there's, it means nothing to them... They won't. John Unitas will likely not mean a ton to them. It's never going to mean the same to me as it would to anybody. And, in and my you family and I either. aren't even. We're yeah. not even quite twenty years apart. Like it's right. it's close, but it took even within twenty years. It means a lot to me, despite the fact that I was barely alive when the Colts moved. Right? Like yeah. yeah. But it meant a ton to my father. It meant it was very emotional for my father, and on his behalf. I'll, there'll just never be a day where I can just say it's okay. Like, I'll never <laughs> just be able to, like, say, those look sharp. Because when I see them, all I can think about is, I hate you. Like, I, I to, your, to my core, I hate you. And I hate the fact that you stole all of this. And that, you, like, and it's it's worse when they do, like, the, like, last summer they did a throwback video. They were announcing their, like, throwback I, uniforms. I remember that. And they, were, they, they put Raymond Barry in there. And then it's just... That, See, uh, that I, I think you have to be disgusting. able to separate Indianapolis history with Baltimore history. Well, that, and, and that way, and they, the, they, frankly, the bare they, minimum. they didn't at all. And they continue to do it. And, yeah. I, and I've talked about it a million times. I've never under, Like, if I lived in Indianapolis, I'd be offended by it. Like, I have not. Gino Marchetti has nothing to do with me. It's like the Ravens putting Browns players in uh, a, and, <laughs> a video It's for a the little Ravens. bit different because they don't have the Browns history, but it would be like yeah. if they did, yeah. right? It would be like, you know, right. the Ravens moving here and then trying to try it out. Now, somebody would joke, well, they put Ernest Biner in the Ring of Honor. Okay, all right, let's move on. It would be like them trying to try it out and say, recognize our history and bring out, you know, yeah. whoever. I, it bothers me to my core, and there's never going to be a day where I can just get over it. I just, I can't, on behalf of my father. And my sons will not be the same way, and that's fine, and it will die, and it will go away, and there will be a day that nobody thinks about it at all. But to my core, I'm not capable of doing it. I'm not capable of just saying, those are sharp-looking looking uniforms. All I can say is, they can go F themselves. Like, that's that's <laughs> all I can feel in those moments for continuing to I got to say, when I brought this up, that's not what I expected to happen. I, but I, 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 I didn't, I just wanted, I didn't I, want to do it. Like, when you brought it up, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> But I, I can't. I can't. I'm not capable of separating the two things. Falcons also released a new helmet. Looks pretty good. I saw. So I don't know if you that's know, like funny. uniform I saw release somebody day. started a debate because I think the Titans announced an Oilers. Oh, they? they announced an Oilers throwback, and that did. What was this? I think last night. Oh, okay. And that did, um, or yesterday sometime, and it did spawn a little bit of conversation on Twitter about that topic of how you're just twisting the knife to people in Houston. When you wear those colors yeah, and that uniform yeah, that definitely. they loved and they associate with their childhood, like it, you're not honoring them. You're just twisting the knife. That, and it's a little bit different because technically the the Titans were still the Oilers for like a, a very small amount of their history in Tennessee, so it's not quite the same. But man, I get it. 
I, I, I mean, I will always, when I hear the name Oilers, I'll always think of yes, Houston. Houston. I mean, that's, that's what you—that's what you think of. Correct. So it, it's a little bit odd. It's so a little bit odd. It's—I—I I get. I think it's gross. I think it's gross. I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's nonsense that the NFL at some point didn't step in and say. And I always, from some joker in Indianapolis, whenever I talk about this with them, I'll always be like, "Well, you have to understand, this isn't. Uh, this is the Ursay family's team. No, 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 no. It isn't, Chief. It's not, Chief. <laughs> like they can. We can use the term owner in football." But we all have to understand it's a public trust. And the history and the re- what accidentally happened with the Browns moving to Baltimore is what should always, always happen. Always. The history, yeah. colors, the records, everything should stay in the city. Right. It belongs to them. And if there's ever another team there, if there's ever a team that moves back to San Diego, it's shameful that they won't be able to be the Chargers. Because the Chargers are San Diego. Yeah, it's shameful. Yeah, that we've just continued nonsense. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't disagree. Like, look, it wasn't Art Modell's plan. His plan was to take the history and the records with him, because that's what everybody had done at that point. But accidentally, we solved this problem and came up with the most perfect way of doing it, which is when a team moves, they become an expansion team. They take the players because you need to have players on the field, but everything else. You start fresh in the new city that you're in. You're a new franchise. Your history, your records, everything is associated with that city, not with the name of the team, which is nonsense. Not a sermon. Just a a thought. (laughs) All right, hour number one of today's show is in the books. Um, Don't forget pressboxonline.com slash offers. Go there right now to get the best sign-up bonuses and promos from the seven legal online sports books. That's pressboxonline.com slash offers. You can get an offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. We're going to talk uh, a little bit more Orioles because you didn't hear us talking Orioles at the top of the show when we thought we were on and we weren't. And so we'll do that, including the trade market started for the Orioles last night. They've got a new pitcher. We'll um, dive into what it is that we can expect from someone whose numbers aren't great, but the trend has been much better. We'll do all that next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. It's another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Weekend starts on the 21st with our Bowie Pit Beef Night. Come on out and grab a bite. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with the Island Luau, a free Bay Sox Hawaiian shirt to the first 750 fans. And it closes on Sunday with Heroes Day. Bay Sox jerseys auctioned off to support local charities. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at A.J. Michaels. 
AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR. Later on this hour, we're going to make our weekly trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Uh, Zach Goodman is in with me on a Thursday edition of the program. Zach, the Orioles made a trade last night as they acquired Shintaro Fujinami from the Oakland Athletics. They sure did. And I was on the air over on 105.7 as the trade went down, and I looked down, and, of course, all you see at first is the the first number that jumps off the page at you. You see Eight five seven er, what in the world are they doing? Right, like that yeah. was. So then I forgot a commercial break, and I you know I I dove in a little bit, and I saw what everybody else saw, which is that the trend has been much better of late as a reliever, as a reliever, yes, specifically, which we've all talked about is an area where we think the Orioles need help. What was your reaction after you spent a little bit of time diving in on his numbers and whether or not you think he can be helpful? So Paul and I made a joke almost every Saturday through April and May that he was the starting pitcher. Almost every Saturday the A's would throw him. I don't know why. And that was really the reason I That's knew that was really the reason I knew about him because I, I read off who's starting yep. pitching in every game on, on Saturdays what I do. So that's really what I knew about him. So I, I dove in on the numbers, and you know, you look at a 99 mile an hour average fastball. Mm-hmm. You look at the the splitter being really good, kind of a Felix Bautista profile in a lot of ways, with a great fastball and a great splitter. That's what Bautista does. And there was a number, um, I believe it was since the beginning of June, where he is very similar in a lot of numbers to Felix Bautista. Um, and they've been not the best location wise, but stuff wise, they've been excellent. I think it was stuff plus was the number. Okay, Bautista was like 122, and he was 118. I, I think I saw somebody share out by the way that like 
Kyle Bradish has had the best stuff plus for the last thirty days has or something like that. Okay, I, I, I don't don't quote me, but I saw that floating around. And stuff plus, obviously, in the scale of one hundred, like yep. all the other plus statistics are. So one hundred twenty two, one hundred eighteen, one eighteen for uh, Fujinami, and obviously he's looking at eighteen percent better than the average major league pitcher. That seems pretty good to me, and that's again over a stretch where he's been a reliever. That seems very positive. And a hundred two mile an hour fastball that he tops out at seems like he has electric stuff. And if they can harness him out of the bullpen, they certainly need a guy who can throw sixth and seventh, eighth innings. This seems like to me a very low risk, high reward. Sure, move. The, the, the piece that traded away Easton Lucas, you know, I'm not saying is nothing, but certainly not, not even this thought of as like when they traded uh, Hernandez to the Athletics in the off season. Um, I think low risk is a really important way of saying it. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's also almost smart that they do it a week and a half ahead of the trade deadline. They're going to get some opportunities to see this guy pitch ahead of the deadline. Right. What I would say is, to me, this does this is not problem solved, right? No, absolutely. In, no in way. In part no. because I think most of us believe they probably needed multiple relievers. Like, that, they didn't just need one guy. Yeah. Now, some of that could have been changed by if they were to require a starting pitcher, then somebody would be available to move back into the bullpen as well, similar to what, obviously, who we talked to earlier, Cole Irvin did. But this gives them a little bit of a chance to look at Fujinami and see what he does and if this trend continues. We point out that um, in his last 15 games, and that still includes two starts, so that, that numbers aren't all bullpen, but his last 15 appearances, 16 and two-thirds innings, 14 hits, four walks. So that's a whip of 1.08. Yep. That'll work. Very much so. That'll yeah. work. That'll work. <laughs> now, again, that's not. it doesn't mean that what happened at the beginning of the season didn't happen, but you're hoping that the adjustment yeah. and shifting to be a reliever has led to him being able to use, you know, those two pitches that, as you pointed out, were really good, maybe a little bit more frequently, and take advantage of it and not feel the need to you know, leave things out over the middle of the plate. Um, he has given up five earned runs in those 16 and two-thirds innings for a 2.70 ERA. So and only two earned runs in his past five appearances. So those trends good numbers. are very good. Yeah. If those trends continue, then this could end up looking like a brilliant acquisition. Right. But the trends have to continue for that to be the case. Well, the way I'm looking at it is this. The Orioles have gotten so much out of bullpen arms. You look at, mm -hmm. you know, Column, I believe is how you say that name. Cool. I'll never know. Coulomb. Coulomb yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but obviously, Yenner Cano is, is a perfect example of that. Felix Bautista, by all means, is a great example of that. They've gotten way more out of most bullpen arms than many other teams have. That's the, the simple truth. So I think, and, and I hope at least, that... They can pull something out of Fujinami that even he didn't know he had at this point. And look, I mean, the guy's been over in, uh, you know, J Japan, I believe it was, for a number of years and has pitched very well. He probably knows what he's doing. It's just a situation in Oakland that uh, wasn't, frankly, too good this year. They lost a lot of games. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe some were, some were clearly because of him as, as a starter, but when he transitioned to a reliever, there is a positive trend that we hope continues. Um, I, I still think they should be poking around on the reliever market. No doubt. I, I still think to me, maybe Fujinami will prove to be a leverage guy. Like Maybe he will prove to be a guy that you can put in. I still, when I, I keep thinking about that game on Tuesday night, or sorry, on Monday night, and that's still the role that I need filled. I need the second closer on this baseball team. I need the guy that when you're in a leverage spot and it's not the late innings, when you're in a middle inning leverage situation, yeah. 
who's the guy that you're counting on to come in and get you out of that trouble? And that's still the role that I think they don't have someone for. The eighth and ninth innings are great, and how they'll use Fujinami, we'll find out. And maybe he could prove to be that guy. It might very well be yeah. that he'll prove to be. With with that type of heat on a fastball, you would expect him to be capable of a guy that can get strikeouts. So my right? thought is, if this all works out and everything mm-hmm. goes to plan and mm-hmm. this trend continues, mm-hmm. the the hope is that he replaces Brian Baker yeah. and the situations that he's been put into. And then you have still Cano in the eighth and Bautista in the ninth in games that you're winning. That That's to me what this looks like. But Brandon Hyde tonight may use him in the, the sure. fifth inning sure. or the sixth inning and just get, I, him, to, get him going. To me, it's just the thought of a second. A, I want a second closer on this team. I want there to be Jordan Hicks. Sure. Barlow, whoever it is. Look, man, you know my high end is hater, right? Like that's my pie in the sky. I, I If... If things, you know, there's a lot of time between now and it's August 1st this year, correct, is the deadline? I believe so, um, yes. There's a lot of time between now and August 1st. If the the Padres aren't getting any closer, my pie in the sky is Josh Hader comes in and is a mid-inning closer. Is a mid-inning, when you get into that spot in the game, and we see this all the time in the playoffs, when you get into trouble, your starting pitcher doesn't get to work out of it. Yeah. You go get him, and Hader is the guy that you bring in in that spot. And he's the first closer that you put into the game. He's the guy that you put in to make sure nothing gets away from you, and then you still have Felix Batista for the end of the game. That's still I am I am shooting high with that. Yeah. I am in love, enamored with the idea of it being Josh Hader. Look, I'm Maryland be, guy. Yeah, sure. There's sure. that. I mean, that part. I'm not saying is nothing, but it's really the fact that he's been in so many big spots yeah, sure. in his career that I have complete trust in him in the playoffs in the fifth inning of a game that is hanging in the balance, that could be busted wide open, and somebody's got to come in and get you out of a first and third, nobody out situation, yep. I have the faith that Josh Hader can do that and limit the damage. Maybe you know there's a fly ball, you give up one run, but you get out of that problem and you move on with the game and you give yourself a chance to win. Yeah, That's, that's, that's what it is to me. And if he was from... Schenectady or Sheboygan or Juneau, Alaska, I would feel the same way because <laughs> Ju- it's the, Juneau, Alaska. It's the track record that I'm enamored with. Yes, it's a neat story that he'd be a local guy coming back. Yeah. That would be neat, but it's the track record with Josh Hader and yeah. the number of big games that he's pitched in his life and the opportunity to come somewhere and have a chance to win a World Series where he'd say, even if I'm not pitching the ninth inning, cool, I'll come in and be a, a big-time leverage guy for you because I think this team desperately needs someone like that. You know what's even more impressive is that Mike Elias gets this guy who, again, is a, a very low-risk move and completely high reward given how hard he throws. The stuff's really good. For Easton Lucas, who was acquired right. for Jonathan Villar a few years ago, right. this year had actually pretty good numbers in Bowie at a 1.59 ERA through 11 games. Got moved up to Norfolk, 4-6-1 through 10 games there. Reliever profile at this point, not going to really be a starter for you. Low-level Which prospect. isn't to say that he can't at some point become a successful... But it's yes, possible. It is, it is not paying a significant price. He's 26 years old already. Correct. And I would... I, you know, Jonathan Villar was kind of dumped in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Lucas was yep. more of a throw-in prospect. Like, yep. we, we just don't want all cash, so give us Easton Lucas and let's hope something turns out. And Easton Lucas ends up turning into Fujinami. So you have to hope that this is something that actually works out, but it's certainly not a lot you gave up. It's certainly not a lot. No question about that. All right, why don't we grab a break here, because then we're going to make a trip down to Bowie to chat with Connor Gillespie. We'll do that next as we continue along on a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. 
Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one. 800 gambler all electronic tolling is here to stay in maryland and driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier we're maryland's tolling resource home to easy pass pay by plate and video tolling it's never been easier to pay your way driveeasymd.com we'll keep you moving the Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Weekend starts on the 21st with our Bowie Pit Beef Night. Come on out and grab a bite. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with the Island Luau, a free Bay Sox Hawaiian shirt to the first 750 fans. And it closes on Sunday with Heroes Day. Bay Sox jerseys auctioned off to support local charities. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches. And top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
All right, back in here on GCR. We're going to head down to Bowie in just a second, chat with Connor Gillespie. Uh, today's show, or just a reminder that Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley had a great show for you on Monday talking baseball. And if you missed it, you can find it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. But tonight, Stan the Fan Charles and Gary Stein get back together, and they'll be joined by John Murray, the odds maker from Superbook. That show, 7 o'clock tonight, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And again, if you miss it, you'll be able to catch it tomorrow in those same locations. Stan and Gary talking odds making with John Murray. So it popped up and said Connor did not connect audio, but let's hope it works. We're gonna well, let's find out. We're gonna right patch now. him through. See, Con- Connor Gillespie, can you hear us? Okay. Yeah, can you hear me? Awesome, okay, man. We got you. Thanks for doing. I know this is a little bit weird this morning. Thank you for uh, taking the time for us. It's great to catch you, man. How's everything going with you? It's going well. How are y'all? Everything is good, dude. So, uh, Connor Gillespie, pitcher for the Bowie Bay Sox, with us here at GCR. Uh, I know you got a, had a neat moment recently. So, for those that don't know, Connor's a VCU guy, and you guys were uh, down there in Richmond, and you got to pitch at like the home stadium. What was yeah. that moment like for you? I know you're trying to accomplish bigger and better things, but of that course, had to be yeah. pretty neat for you, right? Yeah, it's definitely a surreal moment, like. Just being back to my home stadium, um, it, it was different. It was definitely a little nerve-wracking in the beginning, but it was nice. It did, was a surreal moment. Did you have to, like, track down a 1,000 tickets for the game? Like, what, 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 was the, what was that part of it like? Yeah, I had about 35 to 40 tickets. <laughs> uh, a lot of teammates helped out for that one. Uh, yeah, I, I guess there's maybe not quite as much demand for everybody else. Like, they were yeah. Just, that's the good news. Not quite as much. That's cool, man. Was there anybody that you got to see that meant something to you? Like anybody from, you know, your, your college time that was able to come out that maybe you hadn't kept hooked up with in a while? Yeah, I uh, got to see a lot of my old uh, teammates because it's been about four years now, so. I probably I played more pro ball now than I did in college. It's kind of wild I to think to, about. Yeah, <laughs> but I got to see a lot of my uh, old old good friends, like Steve Carpenter. It was great. Yeah, old friends and family. That's so. awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. Congratulations, Connor. That's really cool. Um, also congratulations the numbers have been pretty good this season right like things have been going pretty yep. well I, I can you take me through a little I, I know you've been doing has it been spot starting or was it predetermined that you're going to do a little starting a little out of the bullpen like what's the what is the usage sort of been has it been planned out just sort of happened to happen those ways what has that been all about yeah it's been kind of planned like every outing I've had has been planned it's just Sometimes I'll come out of the pen. Sometimes I'm starting. It all just depends on the week. But it has, it's been a good year. I've been I've been staying steady, staying strong, um, just trying to enjoy the process and get better every day. Has it been like coming into the season? Did they did they give you a sense of? And we've seen this with position players in the system. Where versatility has been such an important word, right? Like we were talking to uh, one of the guys in Aberdeen the other day who said, "Look, you know, I'm a third baseman, but they told me before the year they want to see me play second base because you just never know." When when yeah. this was presented to you, the idea of starting some and pitching out of the bullpen is the idea that they want to see you and how you handle both things, knowing either one could be an option moving forward. Yeah, I would imagine that's what it is, and I've kind of, I've uh, backed it. I'm 
I'm totally, I'm a, I'm all for it. Whatever gets me to the show. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I can tell you, Hey man, uh, we need somebody to be the emergency catcher and you're going to be yeah, in Baltimore like, tomorrow. You're like, right. yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Connor, yeah. what, what has been working for you? Right. We mentioned the numbers, 3.61 ERA, 1.10 whip. Those numbers play, right? Like that, that'll do, uh, for you to continue on this path. What has been working for you most this season? Uh, just the throwing a ton of strikes, man. Um, attacking hitters, kind of. Uh, it's been like a, I wouldn't say like a revelation, but it's I've definitely learned a lot this year. And the biggest thing is just being in zone constantly. It changes the whole outcome of the game, moves things along. Um, the hitters know they got to swing. So it's really just been attacking. So is that something that like you had to, I don't know, force yourself to say, hey, don't mess around here? Yeah. Is it in your nature? Like, are you the type of person that when you're told go attack, you're like, oh, hell yeah. That's what I, yeah. I want to do. That. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm like kind of like a bulldog type of pitcher. Okay. But uh, as you know, in baseball, there's highs and lows. So whenever you get hit up every once in a while, People will have a tendency to get out of the zone, but you can't do that. You gotta stay in there. Is it is it something that you have to remind yourself of, like when you do get tagged, right? Because you, like, that's gonna it's the nature of the game, right? Like yeah, it's gonna happen. You're gonna make a pitch too that you're gonna feel really good about, and then it's gonna go yeah. 400 feet. And you're gonna say, "Oh, 100%, yeah. um, but it, do you have to remind yourself in those moments afterwards, like don't get cute, like you know, stay after it, or? It, it, are you at the point where it's just become second nature to you? I'd say it's a little mix. Like when I give up a jack, I'm not think like you're exactly right. The first thing that might go in my head is don't get cute. But at the same time, it's like I'm not really thinking about it. It's just like I just have to do it, you know, like just keep going. Like, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Uh, Connor yeah. Gillespie is with us here on GCR from the Bowie Bay Sox. The Bay Sox are home this weekend. Happy hour tonight and then tomorrow night. Fireworks as well as kids run the bases. Also, they're going to do a special celebration of a Maryland culinary culture on a uh, like you see minor league teams do this all the time where they take on a new identity. They're just not announcing to us ahead of time what that identity is going to be. I'm going to guess it's going to have something to do with a particular seafood. I'm just going to make venture that guess for tomorrow night uh, is what the Bayzogs is going to do. Then fireworks again on Saturday, an island luau night, and a Hawaiian shirt giveaway, which is always wildly popular. Get to Baysox.com right now in order to get your tickets for what's going to be a great weekend down in Bowie. Um, Connor, you know, let, let's put on the tape. You mentioned you've been in the pros now for as long as you were in college, right? Um, yeah. did, did you Coming into this season – Getting to your mid-20s, did you start to feel like an internal clock at all? Did you start to feel a bit of like, hey, man, I I need to step up and show that I'm ready to make this jump? Um, because I, I think a lot of guys go through that feeling at about this age, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, coming in this year, I was definitely like, I need to be in double A, and I need to get to triple A by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And hopefully just... I don't know if I'll make my debut this year just because of how well we are playing, but just put myself in a position to maybe get a big league uh, spring training roster invite yep. or just put myself on the radar for next year. 
you're an interesting person because you came into the system before the pandemic, right? So yeah, yeah. How, right before it was Elias's first year. Can you put into words like how much that impacted someone like you, and 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 how much you know, like you had to make up for the time that was lost, yeah. and 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 maybe some of the frustrations that you went through because of it. Yeah, the pandemic was tough on us all, but I'd say the hardest part was just that whole year I had off, coming back and playing those many games. Like you, you forget how sore you get. Yeah, you forget like the pain that you're gonna have, and um, yeah, it's just it's just a little out of whack. But like, what are you gonna do? You know. I, no, I get it. You just got to go to work, right? Like, yeah. there's not, no, <laughs> no one's going to say, oh, man, we're so sorry. Here's a million dollars. You just got to yeah. go work afterwards. I get it. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting for me, too, is that like you came into the system at a time where there was not nearly as much excitement about what's going on here. Can you uh, describe how the vibe and how the feelings have changed from the day that you arrived in this system to now about everything about being a part of the Baltimore Orioles organization. Yeah, it's truly remarkable. It's a it's a really really exciting time to be a part of the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I just think we're going to keep getting better, and I think we'll be World Series contenders for many years to come. And it's super exciting. It's a, it's been amazing just watching the transformation. And the amount of talent we have on the field at each level. Uh, I, uh, with that in mind, how about that dude they brought up to play shortstop behind you? How about that? Yeah. That kid's pretty unreal, huh? That kid's the truth, man. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Like, he is unbelievable for how young he is too. He's has such a mature approach at the game. It's he's gonna be really special. I feel like everybody that I've talked to that's played with Jackson, and it's funny because like you'll bring it up with him, and he's just like, I don't know, man. Um, but yeah. ev- every everybody uses the word easy. Like he just makes yeah. the game look so easy. How much have you noticed of that? And that, you know, it, it's got to be insane to you because as you brought up, the, the kid is like he's he's still years away from being able to have a legal yeah. beer, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. how how yeah. crazy is it to you how easy he makes the game look? It, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable, honestly. Like the way he just moves and everything. But at the same time, his dad is Matt Holiday. Right, so. yeah. He had some advantages. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Have you <laughs> no, had I, I, I mentioned um Max Wagner from Aberdeen. Have you has Matt been around yet since Jackson's been up to Bowie? I got to hang out with Max a little bit in spring training, but I have not seen him okay. since. But he is also a hell of a player. No, I, I no, so has Matt Holiday been around oh, um, since Matt, sorry, I screwed that I up. Max yeah, Wagner. no. <laughs> Uh, Matt Holiday has not been okay. Around. All right, I have not seen him. One of the cool things has been listening to like all these guys talk about how much they've been trying to like. They've almost been like trying to steal Jackson's dad. Like, dude, I need to, I need to get some info. I yeah. need to, to to get whatever. I would love to talk to him. Right, sure. not a bad dude to talk to. Um, Twenty-year MLB career. Oh, and all he ever did was like one of the most clutch hitters in, in yeah. an entire Just, era of baseball. Right. Yeah. God. Uh, Connor, the the difference for you right now, the success that you're having versus taking those next steps that are required, as you pointed out, to get the AAA and then to get your crack at the bigs. What is the biggest difference in what you either need to keep doing 
or still even add or do better moving forward in order to make that jump? I'd say I need to continue exactly what I'm doing. Like baseball is all about repetition and being consistent. And that's the difference between a big leaguer and a minor leaguer is the consistency. Like a big leaguer is going to come out and he's going to almost be the exact same every single time. That's what you need. And so I just being consistent, staying at it is really the main thing. I get it, man. I get it. Look, it's it's got to feel good, right? Like it absolutely has to feel good that you have been finding the success and at the double A level too, right? Because I feel like most people agree that like the double A level is when things start getting real, right? Like you're you're facing major guys that are either going to be major leaguers or in some cases have been. And I, yeah. I, I got to imagine that's been fortifying for you, right? They're like, no, been, I can yeah. do this. Yeah, it's been nice. Just like, I think my first week in WA, our manager, Kyle Moore, was saying how this is a, basically the second start of your career once you get to WA. Like, you're facing baby big leaguers. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is, you at a whole nother level at your career once you make it to WA. If you beat the guys across from you on the field, that those are the people who are holding you back from being in the show. Hmm. Hmm. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it, right? Like, yeah, 100%. Man, that adds a whole nother level. Uh, yeah. Connor, I, you know, I don't know what else there is to say other than keep going, right? Like, keep at yeah. it. Like, may, may, may what you just said be spoken into existence um, because it's awesome to see the success that you have found, and it'll be great to see what moving forward you can still do. Uh, I know it's at Connor. C-O-N-N-O-R-563 on Twitter, uh, Orioles yeah. fans can follow you. What about on Instagram? Instagram is C Gillespie at uh, C Gillespie 24, I believe. C Gillespie 24. Connor Gillespie, dude, congratulations on a great season. Look forward to seeing what's next, and hopefully we can catch up and chat again as you keep your movement. Thanks for taking the time for us this morning. Appreciate you guys. Connor Gillespie, uh, the Bowie Bay Sox, with us here on GCR. Again, a huge weekend. For you to get the buoy, check out the Bay Sox, that Hawaiian shirt giveaway, and I'm just going to guess it's some version of a crab theme for the team. I would tomorrow. think so. Yeah. I don't I don't know what that'll be. It'll <laughs> like if it's like the psychedelic crabs or something oh. like that. Because you just know if they're it's not gonna be weird. Yeah. If they're not announcing it ahead of time, it's because they want a ton of attention for some crazy concept they've come up with. Wasn't it like Star Wars crabs a few years ago or they did Star Wars crabs. Well, they definitely have done Star Wars knights, like theme nights, yeah, yeah, where yeah, they've yeah. wore the jerseys before. Meshed the two things. I don't even know, man. That would be something. That would be the <laughs> something like Yoda crabs. I don't know. Um, but I, I have, I have, cool. a, I have a funny feeling that's going to be the thought process for what they're going to do tomorrow night. Um, a couple of things from yesterday's game that we didn't get a chance to talk about. You brought up Coulomb. God, he was nails. Yep. Ramona Rios was, I, I was talking about it on the radio show last night. I feel like games like yesterday are more fun because it plays into the Oriole magic concept, right? Like Someone different every game. It's literally yeah. right there in the lyrics of the song. And I, and I feel like when you see those games, I don't know if it's just because we sang that song for the entirety of our lives, but those words stay with us. Yeah. And when you have a day where yesterday was Ramon Arias, Danny Coulomb day. Yeah. yeah. That is literally the definition of Orioles magic. And right? not it's, to take away from how good Coulomb has been, but. No, but he's, totally. still, he's still not one of the stars of no, the team. Absolutely he's not, still no. not in that level. Yes, he's much more in the secondary group. Yeah. He's been a, a solid player this season. But it's still, when you have a day like that, 
you come back to like, yeah, every night it's a different star. That's the magic of Orioles baseball. It's Tito, yeah. it's Tito Landrum hitting a home run in 1983. It's, you know, it's all of these things that you think about over the years yeah. where it could be anyone that's Orioles magic. And I, I don't know. I feel like for maybe, maybe I'm alone on an island, but I feel like Orioles fans have some romanticism towards those games uniquely. When Ramona Rios is making a Brooks Robinson level play at third base. That is, I, I know the Cedric catch is the play of the year at this moment because Jesus, like that was so ridiculous. And by the way, somebody would say, which one? I'm thinking of the one in Minnesota. To yeah. me, that's the play of the year. Where he's not really looking at the ball and he just kind of just kind of falls in his glove. Is that the one you mean? I'm in the one where he skied up to Rob Bucks. Oh, that okay. that one to me is there, so I'm because thinking of the one KC where he. Oh, that one was a good one. But there's also, also like a no look catch. There was the one that was the Ken Griffey Jr. replica catch yeah. in, in right center field. Too it's, many of them. It, to, it's, to, it's how good of a season Cedric Mullins has had that we're trying to name. But to me, because it would have been a three run homer. In, it was early in the game. It was Cole set Irvin, the tone. The was that a Cole Irvin start? <laughs> I think it, it was. Cole it Irvin was start. a Cole yeah. Irvin start. You're absolutely right. It was a Cole yeah. Irvin start, and it ended up being a really good start for Cole Irvin. It was. But it could have been disastrous. It right? was his best like, start, and frankly, the only one that game and because of the Cedric catch. The other catch, the Ken Griffey Jr. catch, was also a Cole Irvin start. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Sunday and Friday. Was it? So not? Cedric Mullins just shows out. It, Basically, it, it, it was that. It was the same weekend. I don't know if it was. I'm. Back-to-back days or whatever it was, but yeah, it I'm was pretty close. sure it was two consecutive starts. Yeah, for both of those catches. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Cedric Mullins just loves playing behind Cole Irvin. Um, yeah, I, we should have tried to dive into the psychology. Apparently, of that. yeah, wish we would have thought of that earlier. Um, I to me that's the play of the year because like home run, there's nothing in baseball that compares to a home run robbery, right? Like a legitimate no. that that play. I, I've I've joked that when we did our like first half accolades or superlatives, whatever you call them, I said my favorite moment of the first half was Cedric finishing the cycle, right? Like mm-hmm. that night was just so special. It's awesome. First night of the birdbath, you know, great crowd on hand, everybody's buying in. And, you know, Cedric made a really nice defensive play that night too. And then he finishes off the cycle with the home run and the place just goes bat-ass, right? right? Like that's my favorite moment. Even funnier because I think through the first two innings there were no extra base hits and people were just Correct. sitting out there in the in the bird and, bath, and like they're like doing waiting. these live shots of the bird right. bath yeah. during the broadcast. Yeah, everyone's like, just dry. And something's going to happen, right? right? And then all of a sudden it becomes a this eternal, you know, memorable night. Um, but Griffin's choice, and I get it, is the three-run homer that Ryan O'Hearn hit in Toronto when it was the Saturday game okay. in the weekend where they swept and they were trailing in the eighth inning by three runs, and Ryan O'Hearn crushes. This guy that had done nothing, was a nobody on this baseball team, was a placeholder. First time, time he really showed up. Yeah. Hits this. Yeah. And we ended up talking to Ryan about it, and he was like, dude, it's that was a really special moment for me. For him, it was the moment where he like kind of he was like, I needed to prove to these guys that I belonged yeah. here. And that was the moment. And I get what Griffin's argument was is that the the three run homer, there's nothing quite like you are out of that game. Yeah. You are not in that game. Undoubtedly. You've, you have no chance. And then in one swing, all of a sudden, everything changes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's why the, the Mullins catch is my favorite play of the year because that's a three-run homer. Like right. that is a giant swing in a baseball game, and that's a that's a Twins win, is what it is. Because Probably. It, I think the Orioles ended up scoring five runs in that game. It might have been less than that. It was five or less. It was somewhere around. I don't there. remember, but you you're, but you might be right. If the Twins had hit that three run home run, and then ultimately that game would have probably yeah, open a little bit. 
that game would have gone a very bad way. And then they were able to use Cano and Baltista and the guys that they can use later on. But, and that's the big thing about that. But for the Robert. sheer absurdity, absurdity of it, that play yesterday is high on the list, man. Yeah, that no, is no an doubt. absurd, no doubt. ridiculous, absolutely no way, that as we saw, required a tenth of a second and a tenth of an inch yeah. of Ryan Mountcastle keeping just enough of a cleat on the bag that on replay they were able to go back and say, oh my God, he actually got it. I wonder if O'Hearn had made that play. A I, lot of people were talking about that. I would say probably not. Probably not. Now again, I'm, I don't know. I have not paid enough attention to if Ryan O'Hearn is making particularly high-level defensive stretches. He does have a ton of length. He, I mean, he's he a big He certainly has a lot guy. of length. There's no doubt about that. But I have not been paying close enough attention. What you're bringing up is what we all will acknowledge, which is that Ryan Mountcastle had really settled in as a defensive first baseman. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, much like Chris Davis, when you, you, you first started, you were like, I don't really know what this guy's bringing defensively. Yeah. And then a little into it, you were like, oh, man, this dude is playing this position. Like, he's offering you something. Yeah. And yesterday was a reminder of that. Like, it required every ounce of a perfect stretch in order to make that play. Yeah. I mean, nothing could be even remotely off. And it was an exceptional play that Ryan Mountcastle made, and, and more so an exceptional play that Ramon uh, On Reyes both made. sides, for sure. I yeah. mean, it was yeah. it was unbelievable. And it comes from a guy that is largely forgotten by most people. Ramon you know, Reyes Every is time not... we end up talking about him, I find myself saying, he's done nothing to warrant not playing more, right? Like, he's... Yeah. Unlike other guys where you say, okay, you know, like, there's nothing that Ramona Rios has done that has said he shouldn't be an everyday player. Yeah. Except for you just like the other guys and you think that they offer even a little bit more offensively. I was going to say, the offense doesn't pop from Ramona. It's, it's not, it, not special. A power. No. It's not, but he's not, it, it's also a, it's a, he ain't Jorge Mateo either, right? No, no. He is not an all defensive player. He is a solid offensive player. Mm -hmm. That happens to be an exceptional defensive player, right? Like, but he is still a solid. If he was an everyday player on a good team, you, you'd be fine with it. I think he's probably an everyday player in about fifteen teams, maybe more. I think he warrants that. Honestly, he's been one of the I, more I, consistent. I, when you say maybe more, I don't know that it isn't twenty to twenty-five. Yeah, teams. it could be right. But I, I think he's been one of the more consistent bats. I don't remember a stretch of time where Ramon Arias, and he doesn't play every day, of was, course, but was I don't particularly remember, hurting. A, yeah, where he, was, where he was horrible. I, I don't specifically remember that. I, I think we'd have not given Ramon Arias his flowers the way that he has deserved them. You're probably right. You know, yeah. and like he has been, and again, it's not it's not his fault that there just happens to be a glut of right. infield prospects that are thought of so highly that we say, well, they gotta play, like they've gotta be out there. That's not his fault at all. All the dude has ever done is show up, do his job, perform at a, a reasonably high to at times high level. Yeah. And, you well, know. The egregious thing at this point is that if you get a guy like Jorge Mateo playing over Ramon Arias, then you really have to question why is this happening. Yeah, it's tough, Ma Maybe one right. day a week. but I, I Well, think it's a little bit different because Arias doesn't really play shortstop, right? Right, correct. Like yeah, that's the, yeah. So it's a bit different yeah. no, in you're, that you're, way. You're right. I mean, he's more the replacement for... Gunnar Henderson yes. when, when he has to have a day Correct. off, which is, you know, it's been a lot made about there to a week. the idea if they do that at some point that Gunnar should be this team's everyday shortstop. And I struggle with that. Right. Like, I think it I, all depends on Jordan Westberg and yeah. Adam Frazier as well. So it's a question. <sighs> I don't have it's a complicated. I, I think we're going to have to learn to accept that there aren't going to be a lot of everyday guys doing the same thing yeah. every day. Yeah. And. There are two ways of looking at that. One is that's a good problem to have, that you have so many options and so many guys that you 
you believe in in different situations that you know all of these things are better than throwing out Freddie Bynum or the number <laughs> of terrible players that the Orioles have thrown out yeah. over the years. Um, on the flip side, there's the argument of do you just want somebody to get comfortable playing a position and working in that position every day? If Colton Kowser is going to be here, would you rather him just be playing somewhere every day, getting used to it, and 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 letting the offense come along as they get adjusted? Did that hurt Gunnar Henderson, for example, at the beginning of the year to not just be playing third base every day, going to the ballpark every day, knowing you're going to be the third baseman, work on that, don't worry about anything else, just focus on that and being a hitter? Did that hurt him? Would he have gotten off to a better start had he just had one position to play? I don't know. I have no, you know, there's no way for me to define that. There's something to say for, for that, I think. And especially right now when you look at the fact that there really isn't another better shortstop option. He can play there six days a week with no problem. Maybe you sit him one day to start Mateo or you play Jordan Westberg there one day, but I don't think they're very keen on playing Jordan Westberg at short. That doesn't yeah, seem that to be the, the idea. Maybe Joey Ortiz comes up, he takes a few of those starts, but Gunner should if be playing there six on, days a week. Like If you're moving on from Mateo and not trading Ortiz, yeah. Like I think a lot of us have felt that like at some point it was just time for Joey Ortiz to, to, be, right. to be the guy. I mean, I think your everyday infield should include Ramon at third. Gunner short and Adam Frazier at second. I think that makes the most sense. And then, you know, Jordan Westberg either DHs or, you know, maybe he takes over for Adam Frazier half the time. I I don't know what it is. It maybe he has better splits where Adam Frazier and him are a platoon. I, I don't know. But they're going to have to to figure that out down the stretch. I think one of these guys is probably getting traded. It's very possible Adam yep. Frazier could be that guy. Uh, it's very possible even still Jordan Westberg could be that guy. We yeah, don't know. Look, we talked we've talked a lot about the possibility of Westberg being in a deal this week. Yeah. I, I, I think they really are enamored with what Adam Frazier offers. I guess so, yeah. You know, specifically as a, a a guy that could come up in a clutch spot late in the game and you can believe is capable of delivering you something. Although more frequently than not, I know he had a pinch hit over the weekend, but like more most of his big hits, like when we think about the big home runs that Adam Frazier has hit, they've usually been in games that he's started. Yeah. Those have not True. normally come off the bench. Now, I think it was it was Saturday, right, that he came up with a big pinch hit late in the game? I think it was Saturday. Because I think yeah. he started on Friday when he hit the two home runs, right. and then he came off the bench on Saturday and had a, a pinch hit late. By the way, where are you on the Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan O'Hearn platoon? Because it seems like that's the, the way they're going to go. Oh, I think it's definitely the way they're going. And it, it's funny because the first thing you'd say is, well, you know, there's reason to think that it works, right? So why mess with it? The flip side is... Can a good team really have two first basemen? Like, and I, I'm I'm thinking out loud, right? Do you have enough roster spots on a team? Yeah, for two of them to be taken up by platoon first basemen. And I guess you can argue that hey, Ryan O'Hearn can play right field, but we know for a fact he's right now not, that he does not do that not gonna, very well right? at all. Like, right, he's yeah. not gonna be yeah. playing right field. Um, so like in a vacuum, my answer is. It seems like it's a good idea, right? Ryan Mountcastle has produced against lefties. Why force the issue of trying to have him play every day? Ryan O'Hearn's done nothing to not deserve to play every, uh, you know, it's specifically against righties. So do it. But then there's that, when you separate from the vacuum and you look big picture, do good championship caliber baseball teams have a first base platoon? Do they carry two roster spots for guys that that are only first basemen? I don't know if the Yankees ever did it with was was Greg Bird there at the time Rizzo was there or were they separate years? Because I feel I, like I, Bird was before Rizzo. Was before Rizzo, okay. Well, I, I, I'm I'm saying that admittedly, not scientifically. It's just my, Mike Ford might have been there with Rizzo. I feel like the Yankees have kind of 
I guess tried that out in the past few years because Maybe, generally yeah. you, you can get better bats than what you're going to get out of a middle infielder. Ryan Mountcastle. Well, and, and if that's the the answer is if there is a position that you're going to platoon, you platoon at first base because yeah. you're going to, the the production is going to be more dramatic sure. than it is somewhere sure. else. To yeah. me, it's just about the lack of versatility. Those guys aren't going to do anything else. Yeah, they're, they're just uh, that's, that's they're, a good way to put it. They're gonna be platoon, platoon first baseman and nothing more. It would be one thing if your first base platoon was. Hey, on on days where let's just say Ryan O'Hearn didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had never, you know, brought in Ryan O'Hearn. He wasn't part of this. We're gonna have Ryan Mountcastle face lefties, and on days where we're facing righties, then Sandan, Santander, Santander plays yeah. first base, and that allows us to get another bat in in the outfield, right? right? That in your mind, in just constructing a baseball team, again, separate from what's actually going on, if you're just building a baseball team. That makes more sense, right? Because that allows you to be a more versatile team. Yeah. You still have a first base platoon, but you have a better all around baseball team. Sure. If that's the case, there's someone else that gets to be on the team. So at the moment, I, I, I do think it's the right idea. I think it's the right thought process based on what you have. But big picture, would you build a team acknowledging two of the roster spots are both going to be taken by first basemen who do nothing else? I don't think so. I don't think yeah. that would ideally be how you would build a team. By the way, now that they have virtually three, if we include Santander, I mean, he's virtually unproven over there as well. We, mm-hmm. we don't really know what we're going to get out of that. But never ever again can we have Ramon Arias uh, <laughs> at first base. And, yeah. and what I mean, we, like, as yeah. fans of this team, we, we never want to see Ramon yeah. Arias there again. Yeah, it's not it's not the spot. <laughs> it's, it's not. He just simply doesn't have the length. I mean, yeah. Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan Malcastle, they're in yeah. the mid-six-foot range. Mm-hmm. These are these are big guys who mm-hmm. have the length to play first base. Ramon Arias just doesn't do it. I don't disagree with that. I guess the other thought, too, is that, like, again, this, this gets delayed because they put Mullins on the IL, and you hope... The, the concerning part about the announcement that I kind of missed at first is that when they were first discussing the injury this week, they were not saying that he had re-aggravated the same groin injury. The way they listed it would suggest that it actually is the case. And that makes you worry a little bit about the time frame for when he would be able to return. But presuming it's not you know, weeks, it's, it's at the short end of when he would be able to return. Yeah. At some point, you do still have to deal with the issue that you don't want to be a team that carries 12 pitchers. Yeah. That, to me, is the more, is the bigger, big picture question about what you're asking about the platoon, right? Like, what you're asking about the platoon is when you have to go back to 13 position players, separate who these people are. If your option was late inning, middle infield, defensive specialist, and serious stolen base threat. Let's not ignore that Jorge Mateo stole a run yesterday. Nope. Completely and totally got a single and a fly ball turned in to a run scored only because of Jorge Mateo. Imagine if he did that consistently. Separate conversation, right? If he did that consistently, (laughs) he'd be one of the best players in baseball. Sure would. But it's the ability that he can do those things, right? The skill set alone defensive player middle infield you know high leverage positions and speedster true speedster not someone who can run someone who can manufacture things that a very small percentage of baseball players can do so separate who the guy is the name that's the skill set you can have a roster spot for that skill set or to carry two first basemen 
if yeah. you didn't know who the players yeah. were, which way would you rather spend the roster spots? And am I assuming that both of these first basemen can hit? Or They're both capable of both hitting. Both capable of hitting. But in particular, but the only as platoon hitters, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, and, and again, if we're not assuming that Jorge Mateo is the guy we're talking about right. here, and we're just if talking about just this talking profile, about, yes. they still got to get on base, and that's, at the end of the day, what has to happen. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm saying ignore that. Just look at him as defensive, defensive okay. replacement and late-inning base runner. Late-inning base runner. Versus two first basemen. Versus two first basemen. I think I'm going to go two first basemen. Okay. And the reason for that is... I just think every playoff team needs to be able to hit as much as possible. And you can still find speed off the bench in some spots. You know, maybe Colton Kowser is still going to be on the bench in the playoffs. I kind of doubt that. I think he'll probably be a casualty before that happens. And Aaron Hicks maybe comes off the bench quite a bit more often and still has speed and still can manufacture runs that way. And chances are... Uh, yeah, but not like this. Like not, Aaron, no, not like that, what, no. What we saw yesterday as a reminder of... And I'm not trying to defend Jorge Mateo, right? This is not me saying... I'm I'm a Jorge Mateo truther, but it is a reminder that he does things that only a very small percentage yeah. of baseball players are capable of. Doing. And what, what the Orioles hope and Ricky Bradfield will do that that seems to be the case. Fair, <laughs> right? Fair, a hundred percent fair. And I'm I'm not naming, saying that that's the answer that you have to give a roster spot to that guy, but when we talk about the idea of ninth inning, some Anthony Santander takes a walk to yeah. start the inning and it's a tie game and you have a chance to win, there are things that Jorge Mateo is capable of doing to try to help you get to that win that no, Aaron Hicks can't do, that you know, other high-level, quality, you know, skilled, multi-tool baseball players are not capable of doing. Correct. Yeah, correct. I, I, I don't know how much that matters, but I do think it matters. I, I, that did jump... That was such a strong reminder to me yesterday of why it is they don't want to give up Jorge Mateo. Right. Because what is the number of players in baseball? that Again, remember, that's a ground ball single to left center field that he stole second base on absurdly, absurdly took, almost recklessly took second base on that. And it was brought up on the broadcast by either Ben or, or Brad Brock, like, that him going to second felt like he was trying to take out months of frustration. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to do too much here because I've done too little yeah. for so long. But yet he's capable of it, right? Then he steals third base and comes home on what is a short fly ball, right? Like yeah. like that probably gets I don't know 50% of guys home. I'm not sure. trying to say that he's the only one that would have scored on the fly ball. But it wouldn't have gotten everybody home. There would have been plenty of guys that never would have gotten the send yeah. on that fly ball. Is it crazy to, and I hate myself for doing this, I really do, is Ryan McKenna, if he gets on base more than Jorge Mateo, which I think we can both assume that's probably going to be the case, is he more valuable to have as that guy, the defensive replacement, the guy who can come in and pinch run? He's not as fast. He doesn't have that 80-grade speed, but he's still mm-hmm. quick. Mm-hmm. If Ryan McKenna can I mean, get he can't, on... Right, he can't do that. If he like, can get on base at a 310 clip... I hear you. Where Mateo is, what, 260 right now? Two, 270? But are you carrying too many outfielders alone, right? Like, it'd be one thing if Ryan McKenna could also come in and play, you know, it could be... A, <laughs> Funny a, enough, I think they tried him in spring training at second base. Yeah, I, I think I remember seeing yeah. something like that. Remember, they tried Taron Vavra as a catcher. They did. Um, I, it... I think it's a tough because you again who's going to go from this group of Santander, Mullins, Hayes, Kowser, Hicks. Can you really carry a sixth outfielder? 
Probably not. I no. don't think so. Again, Kowser might be the casualty for that. Right, maybe. Maybe you look it's at possible. it, you get to a point in the season where you say, we like Colton Kowser, but particularly as you get to the playoffs. When the, when, yeah. when you get to the – if Colton Kowser's still struggling offensively at that point, you get towards the playoffs and you say, a playoff roster spot is better spent on this skill set exactly. than on yeah. Col- a more complete player who's just not going to be playing. That's a, that is a strong argument. I would say in the build-up to that, it would be tougher – to make that move yeah. because you can't carry six outfielders and unless you're committed. If you're committed to there is a breaking point with Colton Kowser where either he is producing more or we have no choice, we have to send him back down. Well, then in that case, then it becomes more obvious. My feeling is that Colton Kowser is really just getting a cup of coffee here and they don't necessarily, given the way they've played him, they haven't really started him in that many games. I think they're looking at him being a guy who takes over in that Aaron Hicks spot for 24, or maybe sure. he takes over for Santander if he's traded, or Austin Hayes, or whatever it is. And if there's an injury down the stretch here, say Austin Hayes you know, tears his ACL or something and he's done for the year, then Colton Kowser's probably going to be the guy to jump into that role. But I don't think right now that Colton Kowser is firmly in those playoff plans. I don't think it's unfair to say that. I think he would have to earn that. You know what I mean? Like that right now you would say if you were building a playoff roster, you would have Colton Kowser off of it and he would have to earn his way into that or, some, you know, injuries would have to lead to that. So we'll knock on wood and right. you know, <laughs> hope for the best in those scenarios. But I don't think that's unfair. All right. Uh, did we, we need to take one more break, right? We sure do. Awesome. Let's take one more break. And when we come back in, we will get a tidbit and we'll get to you better wind down for a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an Easy Pass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. Yeah, nobody actually heard me complaining about that at the top of the show, Zach. So I That's true. I um I have felt gross today because I didn't shave my head. I just got a summer haircut, right? Like it just <laughs> I, this was a three, if I remember correctly. Um, went to the beach over the weekend, and the murderous son had it out for me, despite the fact that I put on sunscreen, despite the fact that I, I first of all, I sprayed and screened. Okay. Like, I put the spray on, then had Mrs. Clark rub in some sunscreen on top <laughs> okay. of it, and yet it did nothing. I mean, it did, this sun is the super sun. It is, it is. What was this, like SPF 5? Or what? No, it was what we use for the kids, so oh. it was strong. <laughs> That's not good. God. So anyway. Somehow, the top of my head, despite the fact that it is not shaved, still got sunburned. Mm-hmm. That's how out to get us the sun is currently. And what has led to now is midweek this week, my the top of my head is peeling. Which, of course, when you like, it's one thing if you're bald. Everybody knows you don't. It's not dandruff. Your your head's peeling. Yeah. But when you look at me and I got a whole head of hair and you see the snow coming out of it, you're like, oh, that guy doesn't. Did you just not walk, shower? Walks past, you find a right? few flakes like, on your arm. Like, like got to get that guy some Pert Plus. What are we doing here? Get him some head and shoulders. It's wow. creepy, man. It is. It stinks. It's awful. So, uh, again, if there was ever a day that it was cool that we didn't That's have That's what hats video, are for, man. That's what hats are for. I, in hindsight, after like once I ca- got in here today and sat down, because I've enjoyed like letting it breathe. Yeah. The last, once yeah. when you get the summer cut, it's nice to let it breathe a little bit. Sure. I should have worn the hat in today. Now there was no video today, so you know, yeah, nobody else other than uh, poor poor Zach's the only one that's had to deal. I just with get it. to look at the the look snow at falling skin out of his head, just falling everywhere. I miss winter; it's good to see. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually cocaine. Oh, it's and that's hot. that's good. That's where I store it. That's great to go get it later. All right, uh, is there anything we didn't cover today that we needed to cover? I'm trying to think if there was anything that we. I feel like we got into everything we needed to. Get Not a whole to. lot. Not a whole lot. I feel like there was. What was this? I saw something yesterday that was worthy of conversation. Damn it, this is going to drive me nuts. I used to do a good job of writing everything down. We had so much going on. It was on the Atlanta Falcons morning. helmets. 
<laughs> you were very, Brand, you were very excited about all that. I'm a uniform guy season. when it comes to the football, especially. I don't care as much with baseball, but football, I love good uniform combos. Atlanta has fantastic uniforms, always has. Uh, the new know, helmets, you know, bright red looks great. Oh, I, I, when they wear the red helmets, that's really it's great. Uh, you know Drew's guys leading the British Open. Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is actually leading. Yeah. I saw Jordan Spieth was two under uh, early this morning. Uh, he was Fleetwood in second finished place. five under. He's tied okay. with. I, this is. I've never heard of the human being that he is tied with. Oh, who that's was, because I don't feel as bad. He's an amateur. Okay. Christo Lamprecht. Okay, yeah. Is tied for that's, the lead after the first round of the British Open. Good for him, I guess. I mean, yeah, geez. good for him. How old is Stuart Sink, by the way? Stuart Sink's Sink, really old. He's two shots back, and he's got to be. Like Phil Mickelson's age, I was right? going to say 60s, mid-60s. Oh, yeah. you think he's even older than that? You think he's... Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. I could be wrong, it, feel, it does feel like Stuart Sink's been around for forever. I've only been watching golf for like two and a half years. Oh, no, Stuart Sink's only 50. That's all, oh, so he's actually a little bit younger right. than Phil. A little bit slightly younger yeah. than Phil. I, I, was, uh, I mean, I would say Phil's in his 60s, too, no? Uh, no, Phil's 54 now, I think. He's in way too many medical commercials to be 54. Uh, way maybe, too many. Maybe 50. Yeah, I think he's... Hang on a second. I'll double check on this. Phil Mickelson is 53. Wow, that's yeah. far younger than I actually thought he was. Hmm. All right, uh, very good. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. I the hundreds. Oh, you know what? I was about to hold it up for the video. There's no video. Have it. Creatures I am it. showing it to Zach and no one else. Looks great, Glenn. Zach. Have you ever seen this print issue of Pressbox? I sure Box? have. Have you ever noticed this? Yeah, it's there's the, quite a few uh, of them around here. Tony celebration. Pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. We do indeed celebrate the life and legacy of Tony Saragusa in this month's print issue of Pressbox. What you got? Kind of a lame tidbit, but good trivia today. Maybe don't lead with that. (laughs) Well, the Orioles were buyers yesterday, uh, and they're going to be buyers at the deadline for the first time in about a decade. We hope there's more buying. And this is what I would classify as buying. You've seen... The Manny Machado trade, the the Darren O'Day trades of the world, the Kevin Gaussman trades of the world, the Zach Britton trades of the world. They've done this for virtually... Well, let's not forget, they definitely the was a period of time years. where they were active the other way at the sure, deadline. Sure, they're, they're happy. Not always... I mean, some of the... the Andrew but Miller trade, of course, was very smart. 2014, yep. The other ones... That's why I said about a decade. Some, some of the other ones, not... not uh, Roto Parra yeah, and that. that was that. completely unjustified. So what I'm going to do for you for trivia, Glenn, yes. uh, to celebrate the Orioles being buyers for the first time in a good while at the deadline, I'm going to give you five dates... Of five deadline trades, and I have to try to remember what the trade was. And I'm gonna, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna, oh, okay. I'm gonna give you. I just want you to tell me who, which Oriole was acquired in that trade. Which Oriole? That's oh, the best that's way to put it. That's a computer. That looks nice. Now we just need a phone. What computer? We'll really be cooking with that. Gas. That would be really helpful. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. It's fine. It's fine. It was, it's fine. A predator. Who? I don't don't know what that means. Interesting name. I'm not really sure we want to include computers (laughs) and the word predator together. That doesn't seem like a good combination. They should really reconsider. Yeah, right. All right, so I'm going to start off a little bit easier for you. Um, I have five dates here, like I said. I'm sorry. That's all I can think about now. Predator. (laughs) Just... All right, sorry. We'll go a little easier to start. Yes. I'm going to go probably the easiest one. July 1st, 2012, which Oriole was acquired? July 1st, 2012. Would that have been Bud Norris? It was not Bud Norris. July 1st, yes. 2012. So I'm, I'm, cons- I'm considering July 1st. Any trades made in June or July kind of deadline deals. No, no, no. That's fair. Yeah. Um, was that Feldman? He's also on this list at a different uh, date. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> Hang on. Down a bit, no, I got it. Hey, wait, wait, wait. I'll come up. St- st- uh, settle down. Settle down over okay. there. Settle down, you. I'm waiting. It was what other trades were made in? Oh, would that have been Jim Tomey? It was Jim Tomey. Oh. 
Seven, that one, one, 2012. This goes, and we've talked about this a lot. I love, obviously, I, I love Buck Showalter eternally. I don't blame him for what happened in New York this season. I love the man. But one of Buck's biggest issues was that he was never capable of thinking about a player as what they were mm-hmm. instead of, like, as what they are. You know what I mean? The man loved like, his veterans. When, when somebody showed up, when Vladimir Guerrero showed up, <laughs> Buck treated him like he was Vladimir Guerrero. Mm-hmm. When Jim Tomey showed up, Buck acted like it was still Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey was nothing. He had he like two thirty. I think next with the to Orioles, nothing yeah. left at the point where he arrived. But Buck just wasn't capable of recognizing that a guy wasn't the guy anymore. He yeah. still every time acted like they were still the best they ever were. You know. So since you already mentioned Scott Feldman, uh, when was the Feldman? There trade? was another player in that trade, uh, well, and f- this was on July second, two thousand thirteen. Uh, there's another player who, if you want a good hint, I can give you a good hint. Uh, I think you'll July, get it pretty quickly. Wait, wait, wait. July 2nd, was the Feldman trade Arietta? It was the Arietta trade. Yeah. So the other the guy was Pedro Strope? Pedro Strope was in the trade. Okay. With Arietta. With Arietta. To the Cubs. To the Cubs for four. Feldman and, oh, God. They got Feldman and they got Clevenger? Steve Clevenger. Absolutely yeah. correct. Good one. I oh, you know why the only reason I know that one? I recently used Clevenger on Immaculate Grid when it was, oh, okay. when, it there was you go. when it was Cubs Mariners. Cubs Mariners. There you I go. I used Clevenger Perfect. for that. So a few of these other trades are going to have one of them has two players in them, but a few of the other trades I just included the most relevant player because the other ones you might not okay. know, you may not remember. Okay. So I'm going to go to the one that has two players in it. And that is July 29th, 1988. July 29th, 1988. July 29th, 1988 would have been the sh- the was that the Glenn Davis deal? Uh, I I don't know who went back. I just know who they got. So you oh, can well, tell. they got Glenn Davis would have been. Oh no, was, so no, no, it was no, not the Glenn no. Davis trade. When it was, was not the Glenn, Glenn Davis, Davis trade? trade? I think that was later. In, the most infamous trade. Was I want to say like 93. No, it wasn't. Was it later? Late. It definitely uh, wasn't that late. It was okay. 91. 91. Okay. 91. 88. 88. Um. Who would they have gotten for the why not? Who on the why not team came over in '88? Ah, uh, was that um, was that the Brady Anderson deal? Sure was for Fred Lynn. Is that I, correct? I, I don't know. Again, I don't know who they gave up, but I just know who they got. And there was one other person included in that deal that's quite relevant. Not so much as an Oriole, but quite relevant. in that deal you definitely don't know him as an Oriole but he had a fantastic career throughout Major League Baseball oh it was that was okay so that was the deal that got them shilling yes right correct who then of course was in the Glenn Davis trip oh right a yes. couple years later correct who yeah, there was you go. the other side that wasn't Fred Lynn Brady who was Anderson the other side why did I say Fred Lynn who was the other side I, of Brady? I genuinely was it Boddicker maybe I can it look it up I can look it up for you right. while you're thinking about this next one alright all right, uh, June 28th, 2000. This one's a little bit easier. June 28th, 2000. 2000. God, the Orioles were so bad then. 2000. It, uh, it was Mike Boddicker, by the way. Nice. Good job. Nice one. Ah, I got it wrong the first time. I... 1988, uh, yeah. Brady Anderson from Mike Boddicker. Uh, 2000. I don't. I don't remember. June twenty eighth, two thousand. Was that? This is gonna drive me nuts. 
because Pr- pretty prominent Oriole, another guy who pretty made quite Oriole. a career in Baltimore. Oh, was that the uh, Bordick for Melvin Mora deal? That was Bordick for Melvin Mora. Absolutely, okay. it was. One more, uh, probably the easiest one on this list. I think you'll get this one pretty quick. But of course, they had ultimately ended up re-signing Bordick anyway at the end mm-hmm. of that season. Yep. They traded Bordick to the Mets for Melvin Mora. I used to be able to tell. You, was that? Was, I used to be able to tell you who else was in that deal, but I couldn't today. July thirtieth, two thousand eleven. July thirtieth, two thousand eleven. Again, there were other guys in this deal. I just don't care for them. And <laughs> you this, don't care for. Them. I, I don't care for them. This is the important one. July thirtieth, two thousand eleven. Would it was that the Chris Davis Tommy sure Hunter was. trade? Absolutely. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Tommy Hunter was Koji O'Hara was on the other side, right? I like, didn't know that. Yeah, Koji yeah, O'Hara so it was, was Chris Davis and Tommy Hunter. Oh, I didn't know Tommy Hunter was in that. I, just, I think he was, wasn't he? Huh, he must have been that. I, I can look that check, up. Let me double check that. Chris Davis. Koju Ahara. I would have thrown Tommy Hunter in there if I had known that. But uh, I, that was one I, I knew off the top of my head. I just had to look up the yeah, date. Yeah, Tommy Hunter was in that deal. Koju Ahara for Chris. Chris yeah. And Koji was pitching very well. He had like a 1.8 yeah, ERA at that point. And he, he was. He was quite good. Um, and, and ultimately, obviously, became a high-level closer yep. um, in Boston. But, um, you know, that, that was – Chris Davis had been up already with the Rangers – for a little bit, yeah. Um, About 50 games, something like that. There was already yeah. a sign of what he was going to be capable of doing. Not, you know, 50-plus home runs. We didn't know that, but we knew he was a power hitter. And um, it was a trade that was worth taking a shot on, right? Yep. Like, it was kind of one of those can't nothing to lose types of deals and obviously worked out for a little while, and then we all know what happened after that. We know but what happened. For a while, it worked out really well. It's amazing to think that was as long ago as 2011. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems about, right? so much more recent than that yeah, that Chris of, Davis was a Baltimore I don't one know. of the it's one crazy. of the the last key pieces they needed for the 2012 yep, run absolutely um which started of course before Manny Machado got called up that team has already been very good but the foundation had been laid with Adam Jones arriving in oh what oh eight was when Adam Jones arrived yes uh, Mark Kakis had been in oh six and you know the, that that core Mark Kakis Jones Brian Roberts those JJ Hardy in what 10 yep. I think 2010 Maybe maybe oh nine maybe eleven somewhere around there. That's a good question. Off the top of my head, I don't remember what year it was with JJ. Once again, I'll, I'll I'll do my research. Yeah, again. yeah, do your research on the go. All right, that was a unique. That was a unique trivia, unique way of doing that. That um, you know, I, at first I struggled with a little bit, but I I appreciate it. Two thousand eleven was when JJ Hardy came to Baltimore. Very good. All right, let's get uh, Tubular. Tubular is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Here's what's coming up totally tubular, totally tubular for this evening. The Orioles do indeed open their series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Is they send to the mound Kyle Gibson trying to bounce back. It's been a little bit of a shaky stretch for Kyle Gibson of late. Could really no use a bounce back effort from uh, Kyle Gibson starting tonight as they open up that four game series. Uh, I do like, by the way, I, one of the things I like about Tampa is they still do the 640 bit. Big fan of the 640 start for a baseball game. Always in favor of that. Would prefer for the Orioles to do that throughout the summer. Tyler Glass now goes for the Rays. Game's on at Masson. Uh, they're wrapping up round one of the British Open right now on the Golf Channel. Round two gets underway overnight at 1 a.m. Hate that, by the way. What, the timing for the... Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, uh, look, all, all sporting events should brutal. be in America. Let's just say it. All sporting events should be in America. <laughs> no one else should be allowed to have a sporting event. Uh, Definitely at, not where I was going with that. Oh, but I, I'll be the one to say it. I'll right, be the one right. to say it. I mean, and by the way, some people just understand, like, the, the, they start the Wimbledon finals at 9 a.m. Like, they understand. That's that, fine. Like, I mean, just yeah, 1 a.m. is yeah, egregious. Yeah, it's awful. 
Uh, ESPNU tonight, Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse. That's the pro women's lacrosse league that plays at the USA Lacrosse in Sparks. It's on, it starts on tonight on ESPNU at 5 and 7.30 p.m. Rest of the baseball you can find at Glenn Clark Radio. World Cup tonight on Fox, Nigeria and Canada at 10.30. Overnight on FS1, Philippines, Switzerland at 1 a.m. Spain, Costa Rica at 3.30 a.m. Eh, everything else, uh, non-sports-wise, uh, new episodes of What We Do in the Shadows tonight uh, at 10 o'clock on FX. Love that show. Oh, and Tacoma FD is back. It's such a silly, dumb show on uh, True oh, TV. Tacoma FD is the show with the guys from uh, Super Troopers, Broken Lizard, that that group. My rating, th- I'll give it a 3.4 out of 10. It's not good. Oh, stop it. It's Tacoma not good. Tacoma FD, if you like those guys, it is exactly just fine it is not breathtaking it is not earth changing it is just fine and you appreciate it's taking super troopers and putting them in a fire i've watched plenty of impractical jokers and it always comes on after impractical jokers so naturally i've seen quite a bit probably too much of to come after this is ridiculous 3.4 sweet show it's sweet it's fine it's nothing wrong with it it's very silly it's I don't like you. Uh, <laughs> a, uh, a documentary apparently that's uh, debuting on Max called Glitch, The Rise and Fall of HQ Trivia. Dude, HQ Trivia took over the world. No idea what this we was. This was the trivia game that at the same time every night you could play for like a million dollars. Oh. And everybody was hopping on the app, and it was like a data mining thing. Uh, apparently right? I wasn't. Yeah, so. you were apparently the only person on the planet. <laughs> I was, and for like I, yeah. six months, it was over. everybody was doing it. Everybody, like it was Wordle. It was all these. Th- everybody yeah. was doing it. I still play Wordle it, every day. You're one of I. I mean, I'll I'll play Immaculate Grid for probably another few weeks, and then I'll stop. That yeah, one will go I'll, by the wayside. I'll, I'll, I'll forget well. about that one. It, it it always works this way with everything for me. But HQ trivia was very much that thing, and then it just went away, and we all nobody asked <laughs> why did it go away? Why did it disappear? <laughs> so apparently they're doing a documentary that's going to be oh, on good. Max. Very good. All right. Uh, thanks today to oh, first of all, a reminder that uh, you can go to pressboxonline.com right now and get one hundred fifty dollars. Sorry, pressboxonline.com slash offers right now and get $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after you place your first $5 bet. See this and other great sportsbook offers at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Thanks today to Cole Irvin, who was awesome. Thanks to uh, Caroline Means. Thanks also to Connor Gillespie. Not Gillespie. I learned that at the end of the interview. Would have been nice to know beforehand, and I apologize to Connor. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Stan will be in tomorrow. Also on tomorrow's show, uh, Tippy Martinez scheduled to join us as we uh, continue our celebration of the 40th anniversary of the Orioles' 1983 World Series title. We'll talk to the man who once literally picked off three runners in the same inning. Also tomorrow, we will chat with Sal Palantonio, and we'll make a trip to Delmarva tomorrow and chat with uh, Carter Young. That's on uh, tomorrow's program as well. Good stuff. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, All-American Lacrosse, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Zach. It's ZGoodman20. That's right. Correct. On Twitter is how you can follow Zach. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.